and we're live welcome everyone it's been a long time it's been a really long time far too long for this and um i'm back i'm back with a bang and today i have a special guest i always say special guest but today's guest is actually special he's a friend of mine for several years now we've been talking online he's been doing his activism uh, a little bit quietly so now for the first time he's going to be coming on video to talk about some of the things he's experienced, his personal journey, and and all of that. So, with it is my great honor to introduce you to Tariq Alhad. So, Tariq, how's it going? Hey, Abdullah, I'm glad we're finally doing this. We've been planning for this for a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so before we get started, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background, just like a short summary. So, I was born and raised in Karachi, Pakistan. Um, I uh, have been in the U.S. for most of my life now, uh, came in the late 90s and um, currently living in Seattle. Sounds good. So you were actually born in Pakistan, immigrated to the U.S.? Yes, I was born in Pakistan. I've been to the Middle East, uh, you know, as a child. Uh, my parents worked there, so I've been traveling in college years uh and then finally you know um us is uh, the home <laughs> so so what happened between your life in pakistan something happened something changed your perspective so i'll give you a, a i guess a longer version for an inter introduction so i grew up um uh you know my childhood mem the earliest childhood memories are from the 80s early 80s you know um both sides of my so both sides of my you know parents family they were not religious so in the 80s early 80s i should say um you know nobody really at least in my family nobody really uh wore religion on their sleeves and they were you know pretty much nonchalant about you know what islam says or how to do and how to behave and all of those um i was very close to my grandfather uh he was a businessman and one of his closest friends was a Hindu, you know, in Karachi. So, you know, I'm just telling this because it was a very different time. I never saw my parents, uh, I mean, my father, my grandfather, I mostly grew up with my, uh, my you know, uh, grandparents and never saw them uh, go to mosque except for, you know, uh, Juma. Juma was, you know, because it was uh, Friday was, uh, uh, the weekend, you know, for, uh, you know, most of Pakistan. So uh, that's the only time uh, I had seen them go to pray. It was, um, so religion was not, you know, shoved down my throat, you know, as a child. I knew that I was a Muslim because everybody <laughs> around me was pretty much, you know, a Muslim, you know. So that was basically how, um, you know, how I, how much I knew about Islam, you know, yes, I knew that I was a Muslim, but I, you know, beyond that, all of the things that I learned about, you know, you know, what the prophet said about certain things were, were you know, through the hearsay stories about, you know, there was a, you know, like the, the famous, uh, you know, there was an old lady who was throwing trash and he, she didn't throw the trash one, one day and he went to, so those kinds of like really, um, um, nice, you know, versions of, you know, 
uh, Islam and, and the Prophet was, you know, what I grew up as part of. Um, and then, uh, so like in college days, I was, I didn't really care much about uh, religion. I was uh, not religious at all. I knew I was, again, I knew I was a Muslim. And if somebody had asked me, you know, what your religion is, which was very rare, I would say I'm a Muslim, you know, uh, not necessarily like, you know, I'm a proud Muslim and this and that, or you know, preach about Islam, but like, yeah, I was, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. Um, uh, after that, so what happened is um, I, when I came to the U.S., uh, I was here uh, during 9-11, right? So um, I, uh, around that time, I was, you know, working in Austin, Texas. So my name, you know, my first real name is Tariq. Uh, a lot of people assume that I'm, I'm a Muslim, obviously, right? A lot of my colleagues assume that I, you know, uh, a diverse, you know, uh, friends, you know, not necessarily just Muslims, but, you know, non-Muslims and from different uh, parts of this, uh, you know, world. So they usually would come to me after 9-11 asking me for like, hey, you're a Muslim, right? So is this true? Is that true? And I would be like so clueless, right? I'm like, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> So like I was, and then at that time, you know, this was like, you know, 2002, 2003, you know, around that time, uh, I was like, you know, I better, I better learn a few things about, you know, mm -hmm. what the, because, you know, there were all these t questions were thrown at me and I felt really bad, you know, that I should, like, it's kind of like you're expected to know something, right? Yeah. Right. You're like you're like you're an engineer and you're expected to know a few things about engineering and then you don't know anything. You're like, oh, wait, I need to do some studying. Yeah. So I that's basically so I was like, even though I was like a Sunni, grew up in Sunni family, uh, as I mentioned, it was not really a religious, you know, Sunni family. It was, you know, just, you know, yeah, we're Sunni, we, you know, culturally Muslim. religious uh, in uh, Ramadan. Also, like, it was interesting that you didn't just make up an answer because a lot of Muslims or even like anyone would just make up an answer because, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Islam is peace. It doesn't have nothing to do with that. You actually said, I don't know, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, I honestly like had like some of the th questions, like, does it say like, you know, um, uh, I remember somebody asking me, uh, does it say about kafir that you're supposed to kill kafir? You know, and I knew growing up in Pakistan that, you know, there's something coffers are going to go to hell and burn in hell and all of that. But I didn't know anything about like, does it, you know, like killing coffers, you know what I mean? So I was like, I was wanted to say, no, it doesn't. Right. But then I always want to give reference. Right. Whenever I'm like saying something about some subject, I want to be like, hey, look, you know, it doesn't say that. Right. So, but I didn't have. I hadn't done my homework, so I was like, I don't think so, but I don't know. You know, I have no idea. I'll, I'll get. So usually my answer would be like, I'll get back to you on that. You know. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually, you know, so around 2003 or so, I started like dabbling into like what, what you know, um, what Islam says about different things. Um, at that time, I had a stable job. My, my, you know. Uh, mom was pushing me to get married and all of that. So I also like, okay, let me just say, you know, see what the Quran says about uh, who to marry 
what to you know like just to see what what it says and, and also trying to understand so i looked up you know like you know uh, verses related to marriage and i found uh i don't remember which verse must be uh surah nisa um it talks about it lists a few you know like people who uh, muslim men uh, are allowed to marry yeah and uh, it mentions mamalakat uh, imanikum, you know, the Arabic word which translated to um, what your right hand possesses, right? And I was so, I was like, what is, like, what does this mean, right? And this is my journey into becoming a Quranist. So I basically, uh, when, so whenever I like was trying to read the Quran, uh, I had read the Quran in Arabic as a, as a, because pretty much everybody reads the Quran in Pakistan. You know, as a child, you learn to read Arabic pronunciation and all that. And so I'd done that, but I wanted to understand what what it really means because I Arabic is, was not my you know language that I understood. So I'm trying you know I looked up what your right hand possesses, right? The English, uh, and then just Google for that. One of the first sites that came was this uh, site that I'm pretty sure a lot of Quranists, you know, who are my age would might be familiar with. Can I guess? What is it? Can I guess? Sure, sure, sure. Is it submission? No, so that was one of the sites, but no, the one that I really got uh, caught my attention was called, and I just looked it up because it was active a few, few months ago, at least, or, or um, you know, a year ago. It's called the Free Minds with a T H E, uh, thefreeminds.org. And so there was an article about, like, they had a they had different articles about different problematic verses of the Quran, right? Um, and so they they wrote this long article explaining away what uh, what the right hand possesses means, basically. Uh, I don't remember what the exact, you know, explanation was, but I'm pretty sure that they just basically wash it off as it doesn't mean slaves, you know, because most of their, um, most of their Quranic, you know, interpretation was, uh, you know, around, this is now what it means, this is what the, everybody's got it wrong, all the scholars got it wrong, but we got it right, and, and they had like a formula of like, you know, getting the word and then translating it literally and then matching it with other words saying hey this word means this here it cannot mean this in this context you know i so i was not an arabic expert so i basically like oh well it made sense uh, this is the website it's called uh, it is the free mind let me see free minds yeah this the one has uh, it looks like quran only muslims eh yeah, Quran on it. They were Quran. So I, for some reason, that site doesn't open up for me. I don't know. If they changed it to free dash minds Maybe that was the oh, URL. Oh, sorry. Yes, the. Oh, yes, you're right. Without the. It yeah. was da, there was a dash in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, so I found that, and I somehow, you know, I mean, because I was, didn't know much about Islam or Quran, you know, I bought their, you know, explanation of that verse, right? And then I was like, okay, who are these people? You know, <laughs> so I just looked at, I, you know, basically went to their website and started like looking at different articles and, you know, other articles, you know, so I found out that they were mostly talking about 
why hadiths are bad in a way, right? They are not, um, they're, they're not to be trusted. And they had all of the different things, you know, to say about all the different hadiths. And, and so I was like, so I was reading some of those articles about, you know, their case against hadiths, right? And I was shocked because they were saying, you know, it says this in the hadith, which is not in Quran. And I was like, wait, does it really say that in the hadith, right? So <laughs> I, uh, so this is, again, this is uh, mid-2000s, right? I mean, we don't have the sunnah.com at that time, <laughs> you know, the encyclopedia of, um, you know, hadith books. So I, there was no such, you know, um, the resource available to me at that time too. So I searched for, um, you know, the Hadith books, you know, the Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And I specifically wanted to search um, uh, the Urdu versions of that, right? Because I wanted to see, you know, like, you know, I wanted to compare with English and because I spoke natively Urdu, right? So like, I'm, I'm gonna try to, you know, compare that. Um, and I found a website, you know, from, with a sunni.com or some you know some sunni website uh you know which had the pdf versions like really large at that time internet speeds were not i didn't have gigabit you know it took me a while to download those ginormous volumes of you know hadith books and i downloaded and i just randomly opened you know sahih bukhari to like you know some page you know and i was literally blown away uh, by what I was finding in those, you know, Sahih Bukhari, you know, and Sahih Muslim. It was not like some some other book, like the, the, this book was uh, supposed to be um, like the second after Quran, right? I was finding all these problematic stuff with, you know, how to do things, like very um, tiny little details about how to sit, how to stand, how to drink water, how to urinate, how to, you know, take shower, mm -hmm. you know, and all of those things. And uh, it, it made no sense to me. And then basically that solidified my belief that, you know, these books are not to be trusted, you know, Hadith books. And then that's when, you know, I realized, you know, I mean, I really didn't realize, but I was like, okay, you know, I, I can simply discard these Hadith books uh, as not true. And what I did was I, when I found this out, you know, like uh, in mid 2000s, I thought, wow, this is, this is, you know, earth shattering, you know, that, you know, no, nobody probably has read these books, you know, so whoever uh, I'll show this to, they'll be like, wow, you know, this is what it says, you know, we're not gonna, we don't, we, we don't really care about Hadith books anyway, like everybody would be like me, yeah, yeah, yeah. join me, right? So can I, can I pause it for a second? Sure, sure. So, um, when you so here's here's what I'm wondering. So when you got when you got access to these hadith books, you were seeing all of these crazy things. And my one what I'm wondering is how did you interpret Islam without the hadith books? Because without the hadith, I mean you have the sila, but the sila is the same, it's the same pile of crap, <laughs> just like the hadith. I mean, in the sense of like the stories are just as bad. It's just not like incident by incident. It's just like a continual tale, right? So without all that, and you, if you're left with just the Quran, at that time, how are you understanding that people are following Islam? Did you think everyone's following Islam wrong? So I, so, uh, I 
basically, uh, as I mentioned, I was not very religious, so I didn't really care much about, you know, uh, uh, all that I did. So this is what I, you know, personally, okay, I, I knew that there were all different um, types of Muslims who would be on, a, you know, there's a scale where like, I'm super religious, I'm going to go pray five times a day, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just talk about Islam left and right. I was very, uh, I was not like that at all. So I was like, okay, I'm what, so the way I was, when I became a Quranist, I was like, I'm going to look into Quran and see what I need to avoid, basically, you know, and obviously, you know, um, uh, and, and so I, even in the college days, you know, I drank alcohol, I didn't find any problem with that, you know, with, you know, college friends and all that. So I actually found it really um, favorable in a way and that Quran doesn't s strictly forbids alcohol. You know, you know, there are verses that one verse I remember and also the, the Free Minds website also justifies that saying, hey, alcohol is not haram because it says there are good things, there are bad things. And then they also give an explanation about, uh, hey, whatever, whenever something is forbidden, Quran is pretty specific about, it. like, for example, eating, um, you know, pig's meat is, you know, strictly forbidden. Uh, same with, like, you know, blood and other things, right? Uh, which is not the same language that it talks about when, when it, you know, talks about alcohol. So I was like, this is great, you know, this is perfect because it works for me, you know, in a way I was like trying to justify, like, hey, I can, can I be a Muslim? Yeah. You know? So, so I was not really worried about like, you know, hey, how do I interpret that? I was basically personally yeah. for me, I was looking at like, what do I avoid? Right. And I want to I want to kind of focus on that a little bit more. So why did you want to justify being a Muslim? Because I think this is important because it kind of comes back to why people follow religions in the first place, because you didn't choose to be Muslim out of free will, so to say, you were raised as a Muslim, you were indoctrinated. I mean, if I could use a little bit of a strong word, you were indoctrinated, or you, you know, you were looking at social markers as um, Yasakari would say, groupthink, right? This is groupthink. This is like, you. so, but also it's not just social conventions. It's more than that. You believe this was from God, right? You were taught this is the truth from God and this is something that we need to. Is that what it was? Like how, why were you even going through this process? Because I think this will be like a really enlightening answer for people to, to really ponder on. Why would so, anyone go through all the gymnastics to try to justify something that doesn't make sense? So I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because as I mentioned that a lot of people are coming to me and asking me these questions, right? That was one reason, right? I need to like find some of the answers myself to be able to explain, to justify me being, you know, a Muslim. Um, and second was, you know, eventually I was, you know, I knew that eventually I was gonna get married and have children and like, you know, these same questions will be asked by my own children saying, hey, daddy, we're Muslim, so what is Islam, right? And I'd be like completely blank. So I need to first learn it myself to be able to tell, to tell them, hey, this is what, you know, Islam is. I was always uh, pluralistic when it comes to religion. So even from like the college days, I knew that when I when I do have children, I would never force you know one religion on them. I would tell them about all the different religions and then then say, hey, this is what Islam says, you know, and whatnot. 
and also uh, likely not tell them until you know they're in their teens and whatnot about any religion. So that was like from very early. But I wanted to learn it myself just so that I just so that I can um, you know not only talk about it with people who actually ask me, not like preach to people, but mostly you know answer you know hey does it say this um, and then I could say hey yeah all of this stuff. It's from hadith, you know. You know, hadiths are not really reliable. So, you know, and that's that's how I would basically justify myself as being a Muslim because it kind of like, uh, it felt almost like, okay, I have to defend it because, hey, I'm calling myself a Muslim, right? I have to, to, to defend my position in a way, right? And that, that was my motivation. Um, you know, I would probably have never... Um, become an ex-Muslim or uh, if I hadn't started, you know, reading up, up about, you know, Islam and, you know, Quran and Hadith, I'd probably be just the same uh, non-practicing Muslim, you know, calling myself a Muslim. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So you wanted to justify it and be able to explain it and also for your kids to know. Right. right. Yeah. So another question um, D was asking in the chat was, what did you think of 9-11 at the oh, time? Oh, so 9-11 <laughs> was a very shocking. Uh, I was uh, living in Virginia at that time. I'll tell you a very personal, uh, you know, story. I was, uh, so, the, so I lived in New York just a few months earlier, um, you know, drove, you know, to, you know, my office, which was in Queens very you know like i always saw uh, the you know the twin towers while i was driving and so i was going to work nine in the morning you know around nine in the eight thirty nine in the morning and i got a, a call from my you know office in virginia saying that there's uh, the office is gonna be uh, likely be closed or something uh, because there's a plane that hit, you know, uh, in New York and there's some chaos. Going. So I, I didn't really follow news at that time that much. So as I went into the office, everybody was glued, like this was unusual. Everybody was glued to the TV screens in the office and like everybody was sitting, nobody was working. Everybody was watching the news because the second plane and had hit and so they were like saying there's another one that is coming because i was living close to washington dc area you know and uh, there's another plane that is coming to the washington dc and who knows what how many planes there may be and all that so it was really shocking it, especially uh you know uh, that time was the most one of the most difficult times for me because uh People, uh, people, you know, often judge, right? So they assume, even now, you know, when I, you know, with my name, Muslim name, people would assume that I'm a Muslim. People would, you know, uh, have certain labels, you know, attached to, you know, who you are, even though you're probably not that. So that's basically what happened. Uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I personally didn't uh, face any backlash. In fact, uh, uh, I'll tell you a really, uh, you know, interesting story. You know, I, uh, my, my parents were flying uh, from uh, from uh, the Middle East. I, I don't, I don't want to mention the country to the U.S. to to visit me. 
and their uh, baggage got lost, you know. Um, so the, the airline just lost the baggage. So they gave my address. And so they were going to visit one of their friends in Houston. I was in uh, Virginia. And so they gave my address saying, you know, if, you know, this is the address, the, the, the address in the U.S. So the, the airports were closed, right? Because right after 9-11, um, I had a call from the airline to go pick up the, uh, the, they found the, the luggage. So on 13th September, I was scheduled to go pick up the, you know, and the airports were closed. <laughs> and I was like, literally like, you know, they're gonna be like, they're gonna like, look at me like I'm a Muslim. And you know, and I'm here to pick these, you know, these baggages who don't the bags that don't belong to me. <laughs> I was like, I was freaking out, you know, and so one of my, you know, colleagues, you know, she was like, you know, uh, like, I'm going to go with you, Tariq, don't worry, we're going to go together. Uh, anyway, nothing happened. Not, they basically, like, it, you know, there was, it was militarized, the airports were militarized, it was Dulles Airport, right, uh, in uh, where one of the uh, planes, I think, took off. And uh, I... You know, basically, uh, the, the guy, you know, in military uniform asked me a lot of questions, you know, like, where do I work? Who do I live with? When did I come to the U.S.? What's my status? All of those things. And then, then you know, like, obviously, like, who this, uh, what are you doing here? What, you know, what's your business? And because airports were closed, right? The no flights were going out still. I think it was two days after 9-11. Anyway, I got the, the luggage and everything was fine. But so I didn't. So the only thing that you know I faced personally after 9/11 was just this incident where I was like interviewed by a military uh, uniformed person <laughs> about you know what I'm doing in the U.S. Basically, yeah, that's that's tough. And you know I think this story kind of highlights an important principle to me about uh, activism, which is and something we always need to remember, which is you know I always this is going to sound funny. But we're all Muslims. <laughs> we fall under the bigger umbrella, which is what I, in the world, in my I ideal world, I would love to be in a world that I could be considered Muslim. Muslim. The 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 fact that people are culturally Muslim but not religiously Muslim, that doesn't quite exist in the world, in the Muslim world today. You're not allowed to be an agnostic Muslim. You're not allowed to be an atheist Muslim. In the ideal world, though, that shouldn't matter. Your, your beliefs about dogma, the dogma in your head shouldn't matter. Call yourself whatever you want, right? You're part of the community. But because we don't have that world, we have now, you know, and, and personally, the other approach, of course, is just go the other approach. Say, I'm not Muslim at all. I'm ex-Muslim, right? Which is the approach that we're taking in order to gain a bit of you know put a shine some light on the fact that you don't you can leave islam right so that's an important thing as well not, not everyone has to be muslim but for people that want to remain muslim you know i hope that that would happen one day without them having to explicitly be like i don't believe in that crap right i'm just like whatever right so you know and and the the discrimination can still happen against people that look like us, but don't really believe in all that other crap, <laughs> right? right? That's the challenge, right? 
Yeah, and let me also elaborate on you know how what I thought about 9/11 at that time. You know, it was very confusing because I at that time, as I mentioned, you know, I was not I was born a Muslim, didn't know much about Islam, and all of these things were coming at me. Uh, like these people were Muslims who did that. And it was very confusing. It was very uh, disorienting, you know, if I can say that, uh, to understand, to, to try to wrap my head around, like, why would somebody, doesn't matter whether Muslim, whatnot, right? What good does, what, how does it help anything, right? Because uh, I, I couldn't figure that out. And that, that's exactly when, after that incident, you know, I started getting more like questions, you know, thrown at me uh, because, you know, hey, again, I had this baggage with me of being a Muslim. So I'm supposed to know why these other people who are supposed to be uh, my following the same religion as I was, uh, why did why did they do that? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just um, it's just, you know, it's, it was confusing for a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people like me who were non-practicing didn't know much about Islam. It was very confusing. Now, what it did, uh, I, I've you know, seeing this, you know, how America changed after 9-11. I saw this is where I think this was the turning point where um, some people, some Muslim Muslims became more religious, you know, trying to justify, you know, Islam and say, yeah, it doesn't say this and all of this. I think the, I'm sure that Quranists and all of these people that existed before, but the all of these different, you know, um, um, moderate Islam, you know, came to surface, so to speak, you know, where, you know, you're like Muslimish, you're like culturally Muslim and whatnot, but like, you know, hey, Islam is, oh, you know, great. It's just another religion, you know, so, you know, people who still call themselves Muslim. So, yeah, I, I went through that. So that was basically my, the way I was able to um, um, call myself a Muslim still was that, you know, this is not what Islam is because Islam is Quran. Quran doesn't say, uh, I mean, yes, it did say kill. Right, it did say which. Okay, so this is. I'll tell you something interesting. Is that when I learn about hadith, my entire focus, and this is, I would have become an atheist long ago because I dabbled into atheism way back in college days. You know, question of God. You know, uh, like whether God exists or not. And you know, um, uh, so I when I was, uh, you know, uh, reading up about hadith, so I my. I, my focus became hadith, like debunking hadiths. I did not really pay much attention to what the Quran actually says, right? Uh, it was mostly focused on debating with my uh, relatives and friends who were Muslim saying, look, why do you believe in this, you know, hadith? Why do you believe? Like, and and uh, pretty much none of those people I mean, everybody who I was debating with was a Muslim would ever tell me, look, Quran says X, Y, and Z too, right? None of them, because everybody believed in the Quran, right? Uh, so nobody actually pointed all of those things, and I never actually... So whenever I looked into Quran, I always, like, searched for certain words, you know, and, and found, you know, what, you know, the words says, because there, there would be, like, 
multiple verses, one talking about X and one talking about Y and third one talking about Z made little sense. But to me, it was like, uh, for some reason, it, it, it was not um, as detailed as the hadiths were, which were like literally being um, very specific about like, do this, you know, and do that, you know. So it was very like, you know, chill kind of, you know, guy, the God, you know, of Islam, you know, from, from what I, from what I experienced, because I didn't really look into all of the pro really problematic hadith, uh, Quranic verses. And um, that makes sense. So before we go ahead, I, there's definitely some other stuff I want to talk about in your story. I just want to uh, say thank you to Clampel, uh, binged all your stuff. Happy to see you live. Thank you. How do you guys cope with, this is a question probably that you, I'll let you answer, with unpunished crime, seeing people get away with the crime until the day they die. That's the only thing that keeps me wishing that there might be God. I know I know we're going to get into the atheism thing, but let's, you want to just, what do you think about this? So I, so as like, for, as an atheist, you know, I don't, uh, I, I see that the world is unjust. It's not like there's no, I, I don't see that the world, I don't expect the world to be just, number one. So I start from that, right? Um, if some, so this is, it, it may be more philosophical, right? I know that somebody who commits murder needs to be punished, right? I know that. Now, the person who died or got murdered that person is dead. For for that person, it doesn't really matter. It has happened, right? Uh, we have this fourth dimension, which is time. We cannot travel backward to fix things. If that was possible, then that would probably be the answer. But I think, um, I mean, yes, I mean, we wish, I think that is the reason why religion exists is because uh, we try to give, you know, this, um, um, this kind of like a uh, safety uh, net to our existence that, hey, things are not right now, you know, and when we die, hopefully things will be better or things will be, uh, we'll get justice, you know. Uh, and I think that's that's the driving force behind every, I mean, most religions, as I can tell, like why, the, why we live and, you know, how to live so that, you know, after we die, something's going to happen, whether we get re reborn or, you know, whether we get justice from from some 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 deity. Right. So I think that's that's what it is. And for for me personally, I know that, you know, as I answered, you know, I know that there is going to be an uh, injustice. Um, I don't I don't I don't know what's going to happen after I die. I, I don't have an answer. Right. So that's where I leave it as like I don't try to create an answer. Uh, to which, you know, nobody has an answer. And I know that, right? And that's basically where I leave it. You know, I, I will find out what happens to me after I die. I don't really, um, you know, I'm not really worried about it, to be frank, until that happens, you know, I'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that you said, you know, if I'm not going to make up an answer just because this is a really important point that we atheists, you know, we're willing to acknowledge a lot of times that just because I don't have an answer doesn't mean your answer is right. Like a made up answer 
is 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 worse than just saying i don't know and that's a good thing about being agnostic it's like you're willing to say that from my perspective i would go even further than that and and not say and say it's not even about punishment i would say the entire world is a system that has consequences for actions for environments people that murder we, we, you'd have to look into the whole history of that person why they murdered were they abused as a child which you know broke the moral system in the brain are they psychopathic is it a reason why this happened was like in some cases even murder could be justified right i mean depending on what you'd self-defense you know there's a lot of nuance needed there and looking at things in terms of punishment to me is a very you know it's it's almost like like a religious way of looking at the world everyone needs to be punished right and maybe it doesn't need to be punished we use punishment as a deterrent so from that perspective punishment is useful to human beings that we prevent you know we basically change the odds so that you know if you do this there is some consequences right we're using consequences as a way of kind of blocking bad behavior or you know same thing with jail time right it's a deterrent so all of that um and in a way you know knowing that there's no divine justice to me that's makes it more important that we deal with stuff now and that makes humanity ever more cognizant of the fact that we need to deal with these things rather than leaving it for the hereafter where you know someone will be like oh i know i got cheated but you know god will deal with it right oh i know these people got cheated god will deal with it no god will not deal with it we need to deal with it right this is this is the this is the thing that really irritated me um, also uh, even before I left uh, Islam, was you know this uh, this concept that um, leaving it to Allah, you know, like you know, um, we do our best, you know, and that best is usually not the best, you know, because you, you can never like give up on whatever you're you're trying to do, and then say, okay, I've tried my best, I'm gonna leave the rest on on Allah, and that really. Um, you know that that is the crux of the the issue here is like you know uh, putting your faith or whatever you want to call it on a an entity you know whichever god you believe in you know uh, some santa claus is going to come down the chimney and bring you gifts you know it's it's a very old you know it's it's childish literally so i think people need to grow out of that and if there is a God, let's say if there is a God, right, that God is has to be much more intelligent than any of these um, gods presented by any of these religions. Seriously, you know, uh, he, he or she would understand where I'm coming from, would understand my reasons for not accepting, you know, any one of these gods. And I'm pretty sure if there is a God, he or she cannot or it cannot be one of these gods so my atheism is solid on these religions you know my agnosticism is on hey is there a god i don't know i mean like on uh, dawkins scale i'd probably put myself you know around the same you know i think he put it put himself at, at seven i'd probably put around the same you know uh, probably even eight you know for me that you know i'm fairly certain i mean i'm 99.9 percent .9 certain that none of these gods including allah you know yahweh whatever have you i know that they don't exist they cannot exist logically but that 
0.1% possibility of maybe something or some uh, something created this universe, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's possible. You know, anything is possible, right? Until you rule it out completely. Just for people that are not familiar with the Dawkins scale, the Dawkins scale is basically um, this one to seven, um, I guess, scale of picking, you know, it, it, it balances the, the ideas of agnosticism and atheism in a nice way. A lot of people say the agnostic and what they mean is they are weak atheists, right? They don't mean that the agnostic, agnostic is, is a different dimension on and then atheism, right? Like Gnosticism versus theism, right? So you would put yourself as a, almost as a seven, you said? Yeah, I was, I had the scale wrong, I think. I, I was going to say, yeah, I'm pretty much a strong atheist. I would, I would still put it seven, you know, because yeah. when I look at, okay, so when I look at atheist or atheism, I'm always looking at religion, like religions that exist today or existed, you know, in the past, right? I'm never like, uh, you know, some have this concept of spirituality and like, you know, you know, theism and all of those, right? I'm not looking uh, from that, you know, angle. I'm always looking at like the God, you know, the typical definition of a God, a creator who's like out there, you know, who does you know certain things to get the universe going in that you know th with that you know uh kind of god i'm 100 percent atheist there's no question about that yeah uh, so that's a good point too um as pavel d was saying if there was some sort of all-powerful magical god i'd prefer preventing crimes over justice that's an interesting way to put it and D was saying, God doesn't help, never mended a broken bone and paid for someone's meal. So, I mean, we're atheists here, right? I know, obviously, we have a lot in common with other believers that also don't like Islam. But being atheists, this is, you know, this is what we, we believe. We don't believe that actually God has actually helped in any way, intervened in any way whatsoever. I personally put myself as, um, for the longest time, ever since I left Islam, I put myself as a weak atheist. For the longest time it's been like what eight years now and now i'm i've shifted i'd say to a de facto atheist which is i know for certain but i think god is very i cannot know for certain but i think god is very improbable so i'm slowly shifting along <laughs> a little bit um but any, anyways enough of that um the, i guess if we continued with the comments on this topic we can go on forever i want to go back to your story by the way i just wanted to let you know i'm not seeing the comments here on the stream yard so you'll be the one to okay bring up any any that you want to okay yeah. no worries yeah any comments here so okay all right so yeah let's so let's continue with your story then all right so i'm uh so like in this uh so like so far, I'm like Quranist. I'm trying to debate other Muslims. I'm not. I'm never engaging non-Muslims because you know there's no point, you know, in talking about Islam because I was never like a religious person. I never wanted to preach. I didn't want to convert anybody. I wanted to de. I mean, sort of deconvert uh, Muslims who are still, you know, clinging to the Hadith books. You know, trying to get them to become more of a Quranist and then you know say, hey, look, you can drink. You can, you know. You don't have to do all of these things that the Quran doesn't forbid, you know, you to do. Uh, so I had lots of, you know, like back and forth with my own father in Pakistan uh, with many relatives, you know. And at this time, I'm married. I've got, you know, my daughters, you know, 
And the person who first uh, made me question Quran was a Muslim, uh, you know, and was one of my in-laws. So uh, he was very religious. He was from a Tablighi Jamaat and, you know, very you know, long beard. And, you know, I would always, you know, um, try to like, you know, you know, get his point of view on Hadith and like, how does he justify? Because I, I couldn't wrap my head around how people are able to say hadiths are valid when the you know these all these other hadiths in the same book in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim they exist right. So I was um, so he one day uh, like it was I think it was 2016 or so, uh, well, probably earlier than that when I was in Pakistan and we were just you know walking and he knew that I was a Quranist. Everybody in Pakistan knew that I was a Quranist. I mean the word Quranist didn't exist at that time I think. Uh, it was you know I mean I didn't say I'm a Quranist per se but I you know everybody knew that I didn't uh, I didn't you know follow hadith. I just completely I literally bashed hadiths you know like like threw them in the garbage right you know you know I didn't really care much about it. Uh, and if somebody's feelings got hurt, they got hurt. I say I could always point to like, look, this is what I'm throwing away. This is what it says. You know, I had, I literally had all those PDFs and stuff on my phone at that time to like pull it up and you know show it to people. You know, if I'm talking to like, hey, this is what it says. You know, um, so I uh, was talking to him and he's like, okay, so what is your main objection? Like, if you had to, you know, if you have to, you know, like. Uh, have just one objection, you know, I, you, you know, he knew my position on that, like one objection, like the strongest uh, objection to Hadith, what, what is that? And I, and I, I thought about it many times, you know, and I just told him, you know, because the first Hadith book was written, I think it was Sayyid Bukhari, was written 100 years after the Prophet's uh, death. I think in roughly hundred years, maybe more. Who knows? Yeah, that. yeah. There was quite a long gap between, yeah. And Sahih Bukhari was one of the later ones, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, if somebody died, you know, a century ago, what he or she said, you know, cannot be. We we cannot really. I mean, we even forget in in our lifetime what somebody might have said. So my argument was uh, this time frame. So then he goes and trying to like, you know, be the the Muslim to convert back to the right path. He basically blurted this out. And this is what he said. He said, but what about Quran? When do you think Quran was written? <laughs> and I was completely dumbfounded at that question because I never thought about that. I knew that it was, you know, it was oral orally trans you know you know transmitted so to speak like from one person to a other but i had no uh, i never actually uh, tried to understand when it was actually written down in 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 like textual form and i was clueless and he basically further you know like uh, like quran was the same it was written by the same sahaba that hadith wrote, if you trust the Sahaba for Quran, why do you not trust them for hadith? And I was like, it made sense at that time. It made sense in the sense that why the hell am I following Quran then, right? Like these same people wrote the Quran. 
that's not um Muhammad, you know uh but you know people who were around him who knows who wrote it right isn't that so isn't that, that was, um i have to say something isn't that what you call a self-owned <laughs> i know i was i was literally yeah he owned me literally he was like i had i was i was just silent yeah I no no like, it's a self-owned like he broke his own yeah argument. i know i know you're saying hadith is bad. He's like, well, what about Quran? Because but he thought you'd be like, the, oh, he's coming from his, you know, to, to he's coming from the angle that oh, this should probably you know make me realize that my arguments are flawed, right? In fact, what I was thinking in my head was like, wait, you know, uh, I I missed something. You know, I need to look into this. Yeah. I never actually paid attention. To the book that I'm like, you know, saying this is the correct, you know, this is false. The, I need to look into this. So that's when, you know, um, that's when I actually was like, okay, I need to, the, the same thing that I did with the hadiths, I need to do this with the Quran, like find, you know, prop, find, you know, different things that, that are not right. So that was, you know, that's when I started like, okay, I need to, you know, and I started like actually and there's so many uh, at that time there was so many so many quranists you know so many so i read about like you know how they explain and all of that and a lot of the explanation was like you know this was always you know protected in the heaven and came down on muhammad and you know and all of that but obviously i didn't i didn't buy that right and it because it made no sense to me so I was, um, I started questioning Quran, right? I was like, okay. So one thing that I'll tell you, a lot of people would, you know, used to, even my own father, uh, his argument would be, okay, how do you pray then? Quran doesn't say, how do you pray? And my answer to him was, this is why I don't pray. This is not, don't ask me why I, how I pray. This is why I don't pray like you do. I don't go and you know yeah. bang my head on the on the on the floor and do this you know uh, funky exercise kind of thing, you know <laughs> yoga or whatever you want to call it. I don't do it because yeah. the Quran doesn't tell me to do that. And that was basically what I was doing. I was like, okay, if the Quran doesn't tell me, I don't need to do it. I mean, yes, it talked about salah, you know, and like, okay, for me, I'd be like, okay, I'm just you know, like talking to God and, you know, like literally mumbling to God. And that's basically to me, that was like, okay, that's my prayer. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, you know, the thing I was uh, like anything that was not in the Quran. So then um, I, I um, started looking into Quran more and um, the, the, the first words that, so I was at that time, what I was trying to do is, Try to find things that would give me clues to uh, it being um, influenced by someone human. I mean, yeah, there were many. I mean, now when I look at it, everything is. But at that time, I didn't really didn't uh, think of it that way. And the first problematic. I mean, I know there was you know all of these verses about you know women and all that that were justified, explained by these chronist you know people. Like this doesn't mean what it means. It means X, Y, and Z, right? So I bought that at that time. But what the first verse that really got my attention 
um, because I used to think that Quran is like timeless and it's like a message till the eternity and whatnot, and, you know, um, and I could just use that as, you know, as some kind of like guidance, you know, like how, what not to do, you know, what to do and whatnot. So I was reading, I was listening to Quran, uh, you know, on my, you know, while, while I was driving, listening to translation, you know, the English um, translation, playing it, because I was trying to like, you know, trying to understand if there are some, something that I did, had serious problems with. Uh, and the verse that really caught my attention was where, um, I don't remember the worst number, but uh, it's about Muhammad's friends, the buddies, so-called Sahaba, must leave uh, their, his house. Um, uh, I, I'm forgetting the details, like what, how it says it, but basically they must leave the house um, and don't stay past, you know, the like the dinner or something like, you know, once they've eaten, gotta go, you know, go to your houses, right? And I was like, okay, why in the in the universe, a, a creator of the universe would think that this is something that to be sent over to humanity? Like it does not apply. Like I was trying to figure out how do I apply this to like what is what is this verse trying to tell me? Number one and number two, obviously, like hey, is this something that got inserted, right? Um, and I also knew about some of these uh, other Quranists, uh, especially there's this group, French group that actually has yeah. one verse that they knock out. I'm forgetting the name. Uh, they say this verse proves that you know the Quran was uh, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is yeah. Exactly so all you have believed, do not enter the houses of the Prophet except when you were permitted for the meal without obeying its laziness. So don't come too early, dudes. <laughs> and when you're invited, <laughs> then enter. And when you've eaten, get lost and stop bothering <laughs> him and asking him nonsense, okay? Indeed, that behavior was troubling for the prophet. And he has no balls to ask you to leave. Sorry, I mean, he's shy of asking you to leave. But Allah has balls. I mean, Allah is not shy of the truth. So when you ask so him... <laughs> Why? Yeah, this is true. I'll tell you one more thing. So while I was a Quranist, you know, for some reason, I did not have this thing, this, this um, infatuation with Muhammad. I, if I had to scale, like if I had to like put down all these prophets, I'd probably put, you know, Abraham because I didn't know much about him other than, yeah, he was, you know, he was, uh, he had, you know, um two sons and blah 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 and you know monotheism the father of monotheism so to speak right and there was not much about abraham even though abraham is all over quran right you know uh so i would put abraham above definitely above muhammad so i didn't have this like reverence for muhammad um you know even as a muslim wow. so you didn't you weren't doing idolatry of Muhammad, which is, I think, what most Muslims are doing without acknowledging and admitting it. The funny thing is when you actually bring this up, that you guys are worshipping Muhammad, they will be like, oh, you never understood Islam. Oh, you're, exactly. you're a fake ex-Muslim. Oh, you don't get it. We don't worship Muhammad. They'll tell you the party line, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they don't, they're like blind to the fact that it's a personality cult. 
Right. 100% personality cult. Like, 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 they were even like drinking his spit and wiping on the bodies and like some weird shit, right? Yeah. yeah. So I suspected, you know, when I was questioning Quran, so this is what I suspected. Uh, I suspected that this dude, Muhammad, he must have, you know, uh, toyed with Quran. You know, he must have just blurted out things that were not really from God, you know, and he may have inserted. Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, this is so my like, kind of like leaving religion. You know, at that time I was leaving Islam. So I basically, feel like, uh, go sorry, uh, go ahead. I was still like not an atheist at that time. I was still like there has to be a creator, some you know, some 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 creator, not necessarily you know whatever you call whether Allah, you know, not necessarily the Islamic one, but like there's a creator. So I, at that time, I was like, okay, this verse, like the one that I mentioned, and some of the other words that I later found, that kind of benefit Muhammad. I mean, if you say, if you look at it, right. A lot of them actually, when you when when I read it, you know, as an atheist now, I mean, pretty much everything is like for Muhammad's benefit, you know. Um, so I was, I looked at that. I was like, this has gotta be something that Muhammad inserted or said, you know, just to just to make his friends leave. Like, you know, like I've got friends coming over. They they don't want to leave. <laughs> I want to be I want to be nice to them, right? What it's do I do? You know what I, it's like? Yeah. It's kind of like when you get like a fake phone call. Like, hold on. Uh, Talik, I, I listen. Uh, yeah. Hello? Yeah, hello? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You need me to come over right now? Exactly. Oh, this is Allah? Allah? Oh, Allah says you. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, guys, I have a message. Hold, hold on. You want them to leave? Sorry, guys. Like, you know, I was having fun, but you guys need to go because I got this guy telling me you need to let you guys know that you need to get lost. Leave me. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what it was. This is, in fact, this is what it is. This yeah. is what so, it is. So this is the satanic verses, except with Muhammad. Basically, it wasn't shaitan. <laughs> it's Muhammad that's like inserting verses. Yeah. As he, I mean, that's, you've now escaped the matrix, bro. Like, this is now the point where you're like starting to like. Right. Like, you, the first level up you had was when the guy said, yeah, but Quran has been transmitted the same way. You're like. Yeah, and level imagine, two. I, I'm now level three achieved. <laughs> imagine the first person who puts doubt in my head was a Muslim, and I was in Pakistan. Like I, I read so many articles and stuff, and you know, um, come. I had obviously come across um, um, apostate. Um, uh, uh, the apostate pro prophet, you know. And uh, I had assumed so wrongly that he was a Christian. So um, I watched and then I basically just shrugged him off like, hey, he, he believes in Christian. I mean, I don't know. I, at that time, I don't know how and why I did that, but I assumed that he was a Christian. Um, yeah. He and knew. so I didn't really pay attention to that. So there were lots of arguments against Quran in front of me. I didn't. I just never paid attention to them um, until this point. Um, then I started looking into more, uh, you know, Quranic verses. So this was definitely one. Yeah, positive uh, prophet. Thank you, Adi. Uh, and I was basically going to say a positive Aladdin, you know, because I've been listening to him. He's really doing great. Uh, so, um, 
Anyway, so I'm uh, now this is a thing around. So I have I'm a father of two daughters. Thank you, Apostate Aladdin. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was uh, um, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm like, OK, I got to look into Quran. So I'm, I stopped, you know, debating with Muslims at this point, because like anybody could, you know, come and say, hey, what about the Quran? Right. So I had, need to really get my homework done. Uh, and I started like looking into Quran and problems with the Quran. And that's when I started also, you know, um, finding a lot of art at that time in 2016. I don't know if XMNA existed or I think they, they were founded a year later or so. But I didn't know anybody who was kind of like an ex-Muslim. You know, the term ex-Muslim didn't exist in 2016. And around the same time, so I was the father of, you know, two daughters. I I was married and um, I, my ex-wife, I had been, as a child, I had done Umrah many times, you know, because as I mentioned, my parents lived uh, in the Middle East. Um, I'd been... I don't know how many times I've done Umrah in my life. So for me, uh, and also especially since I was a Quranist, you know, this whole circling thing around Kaaba and all of that was for me kind of like a like didn't make any sense, you know, to me. Even the Quran does mention that. But like I was like, okay, you know, whatever, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me. So for my, you know, ex-wife, I was like, okay, you know, she hadn't been uh, to to uh, uh, Mecca, Medina, and all the, you know these these places, it would be really, really. Um, she would love it, you know, if I could take her because we were planning to go to Pakistan with the two kids, and I'm like, you know, I could just, you know, make a plan it in such a way that we could also do the side trip to to Saudi Arabia, and you know, do you know this thing. And for me personally, and I I, I don't have any shame in admitting it now it was more of a like a kind of like mini vacation so to speak like i'm going out to a different you know country like hey you know just you know taking a break not really umrah because i was really not into that uh, even at that time and i was like you know this this is the point where i'm like i i was calling myself a muslim but i didn't really follow even the quran like i was like i had problems serious issues with the quran so i'm in uh um, 2016, um, I'm in Mecca, you know, doing the Umrah with, with my, you know, ex at that time. And one of the first things that really caught my attention and this didn't happen. So I, uh, went with like really expensive, you know, uh, top of the line tier of Umrah, their Umrah packages, you know, how much can you afford and i went like the full-blown you know five star so i'm at this hotel which is like really high you know i don't know what they're called they're like three or four hotels you know this tall building right inside you know the uh, the mosque and my first glimpse outside the window so it was facing kaaba i got that especially like oh this room costs a little more i'm like yeah why not let's get that you know uh, so I go check in at the hotel and I look at Kaaba, right? I'm looking down and I'm up high above this so-called house of Allah, right? And it's tiny. I have a picture I, I shared on, on, on Twitter also. 
and I'm looking and like it made zero sense to me. Like uh, this creator of the universe has this house, and I'm I'm up here on in a room room you know um, hotel room very high. It's kind of like um, blasphemy, you know, in a way. Like you're you're above Allah in a way, you know, in a, <laughs> literally above Allah, right? Allah's house, right? And and I was like, you know, and and I always, uh, you know, question this whole, you know, ritualistic aspect of Islam. And so I'm I'm like thinking, like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Why, you know, why anybody does this, you know. Uh, uh, tawaf and you know all of these things um later on the the next day we did the umrah and you know um obviously my ex was in the women's section i was yeah. in the men's you know so i'm sitting down and obviously as, as, as i mentioned i didn't really pray pray you know i didn't believe in that but i did that just because hey you know i'm there you know everybody's praying i don't want to be standing there so i just pray and like, <laughs> after the after the prayer i'm sitting like this and just facing the kaaba and i'm looking at all these people around me you know all the muslims you know like going crazy you know tawaf and trying to you know kiss the kiss hajar aswad and all of those the, the chaos that it is and i'm like i the first time i questioned what the hell am i doing here I, the, literally the question like why am i here why am i doing this it's kind of like one of those uh moments where you're meditating and so to speak you know like thinking about your life and you know and all of that and and i'm like basically questioning and answering you know to myself mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i'm here because i'm a muslim but like what makes me a muslim that's for the first time i really questioned myself as why do I call myself a Muslim? Like, uh, do I believe in this, you know, kalama? I don't, I didn't believe in that because, you know, in Quran, it doesn't mention la ilaha illallah Muhammad so it does not mention that. So I did not, as a Quranist, I didn't believe in this, this, this thing. And then all of the, the five pillars of Islam, you know, I had problems with every single one of them. And like, I don't share anything in common with all of these people whether they are Shia, Sunni, doesn't matter. You know, I didn't, I don't share anything. Then why do I call myself a Muslim? And and th th this was basically my exit. This mm. I'm sitting in front of Kaaba, and I knew that I'm just basically calling myself a Muslim because I was born uh, into this religion, you know, and I don't need to use the label Muslim anymore. If somebody asks me, what is your religion? I might put in, you know, no, you know, none, you know, as an example, right. At that time I was not an atheist, you know, I was still like, okay, there's gotta be some God or some, some, something, you know, so, um, I'll, I'll pause for, if you have any questions, right? if you want to take any. Yeah. I do. So I want to say something. I want to say a couple things. One thing is you've now achieved, I mean, it's going to sound a little bit over exaggerated, but you've now achieved enlightenment. At, at this point, you've taken the final red pill and you've escaped the matrix. I think that's such a good analogy because, you know, despite the fact that this is accusation made against atheists with, with zombies, the fact is that 
to escape the indoctrination of childhood and the system that you were, you know, when you were too young to understand right from wrong, you were put in this thing, you were told this is true. And then to step by step realize gradually that, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful story to hear that, that you're now at the final point where you're looking down at the Kaaba and like, what is this little thing? And then you're looking at all of these people going around, I'm sorry to say like zombies, right? And you're like, what the, that's, that's literally awakening. You, you, you woke up at the house of Allah, the most holiest place on earth where there's angels going around everywhere. <laughs> I think Allah finally showed me the right path, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got blessed by Allah because of your, your desire to seek the truth. And I mean, when I went to Makkah for Umrah as well, I didn't go for Hajj, I went for Umrah. And I was like, I heard all these stories about people saying when they saw the Kaaba for the first time, they cried, right? And I'm like, please cry, please cry. I really want to cry. I I, I want to have that that touching moment, right? When I see the Kaaba for the first time, I, you know, they people pumped me up that the Kaaba, it's going to have an impact. And, and if you don't, maybe you're just dead on the inside. You know, it's kind of like the gaslighting, you know, it's like, or even you gaslight yourself. You're like, you know, or maybe I don't, my faith is not strong enough or whatever, right? So you set yourself up. And I went and the Kaaba was there and I saw the Kaaba for the first time. And you know what my reaction was? Hey, this is smaller than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, that was my, I was like, I thought this was like bigger than that. Like, and of course there was no crying. I mean, this was like, I was pure Muslim at the time. Okay. This was like, I don't know, 20, what, 2013 or something. Like it was, I was totally Muslim. I mean, obviously I was going for Umrah. Right. And, <laughs> and I was just like, it was just underwhelming. I was like, I mean, I still had the whole like, oh my God, I'm in a blessed place. And then, you know, uh, Muhammad was here and all that and all that stuff. But like, it was just like a building. It's like, there's nothing special about right. it. And let me, let me contrast that to something else, <clears throat> excuse me, which is also a human creation, the pyramids. I yeah. also went to Egypt, also a human creation. But when I saw the pyramids, like it took my breath away. I was in awe at like, wow this thing is massive like the scale right. of the pyramids is it's insane yet you know the kaaba i mean the funny thing is muslims are all mad a lot of muslims are mad about the clock tower because it shadows the the kaaba and it, it makes it look insignificant compared to this gigantic clock tower <laughs> but the reality is that's what the Kaaba is, right? It's just an ancient house of idol worship that has been reconstituted as the center of monotheism. That's not what it is. It never was. It was just a house of idol worship, right? That Muhammad obviously re reutilized to make it into something else, right? I'll tell you something. Uh, this reminded me of uh, my first ever, like, you know, visit to, uh, I was a, uh, uh, teenager or probably before teenage years, I think uh, uh, I visited. My mother was with me. You know, she had done Umrah before, but for me it was the first time. And she told me because we were like driving. You know, somebody was driving, and we're in the car. We we're like gonna go. We're going toward uh, the masjid, you know. And I was about to, you know, witness Kaaba. Uh, for the first time so she told me you know the you know you it's over there in this direction you know this window you know you're gonna see but you know as soon as you see it this is what my mother told me 
uh, as soon as you see it, don't blink. Just, yeah, don't blink. Keep your eyes open. And, you know, all of these things Muslims believe in. And ask everything that you want to ask, basically, like pray, you know, like, hey, God, give me this, 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 you know. You know, at, at that time, I didn't have a lot of, like, you know, things that I could, like, you know, other than maybe, you know, at that time, PlayStation didn't exist. Like, I'd probably ask for that, right, as a child. But I don't know what I prayed, but like, you know, I, so I saw Kaaba and I'm like, okay, that's just a black wall. Because at that time I could only see the wall. That's just a black wall. Okay. And because I'd seen it before, but when you see it in, you know, when, just like you, when you see it in person, it is really underwhelming because this, this whole, um, this, this awe surrounding, you know, the the magical aspect of it it just shatters right in front of you unless you're like a really hardcore um believer who would like find things you know in 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 you know in you know magical things in kaaba things happening you know like people would say look you know the the birds you know is, is there's a famous uh, video like the birds circling the kaaba and all of those things right anyway yeah, so, I, so to continue, if uh, do Muslims still say no birds poop on Kaaba? Well, I'm pretty sure the Muslims probably do, uh, because you know, hey, you need all the kinds of uh, all kinds of reasons to justify all this, you know, this belief, you know, because there's got to be something to hang on to, and that's what they hang on to. Mm -hmm. Should I continue? Do you, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's continue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, so this, at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm not a Muslim, but I don't know what I am. Like, I gotta have some label, you know. And I'd already, you know, looked into Christianity and looked into other religions. You know, I knew there was this thing called spirituality. You know, so I dabbled into that. I couldn't understand it. Everybody's definition of spirituality was different, right? Everybody was like, this is what spirituality, some would say it's like meditation and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but yeah, that's meditation, but it's not, it's not like a belief system or anything, you know? So like, you know, doesn't answer some of the questions about like the existence of God and whatnot, right? So I was like trying to, you know, come up with something and I couldn't find anything literally. I was like, okay, I'm, I know that I'm not a Muslim. I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't know about the label ex-Muslim, you know, so I was obviously not. But I was like, okay, I found out that there's, you know, um, this Islam thing is, you know, just made up, you know. But uh, at that time, I was not really arguing or debating with Muslims. I'm like, you know, hey, you know, the reason I did not do it because how unsuccessful I was in convincing them about hadiths, I knew that if I talked about Quran, it would be useless. Like if I could not get them to leave uh, hadith, my own father, if I could not get him to leave hadith books, when I showed him all of those uh, you know, problematic hadith, like how the heck would I be able to convince uh, about Quran? And then I realized that, you know, uh, religion is a very, you know, and I was learning all of these things that religion is a very personal thing, you know, hey, if I left because I seeked and I sought and basically found what I was looking for, other people don't seek that, right? And so if they want to, you know, seek, they will find out uh, and they will, you know, come to their own conclusion. They may not 
come to the same conclusion as I did, but I didn't, I, I'm not going to go ahead. I'm not going to go waste my time trying to, you know, tell people, you know, what I think, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, I may be wrong, right? I always have this, that whatever conclusions that I draw, tomorrow I may come up with something that, you know, shatters these conclusions that I'm making up today, right? So just like with when I was a Quranist. So I stopped, you know, talking about religion. I was just basically like, you know, studying religion, so to speak. Uh, around that time also, so I also had a very negative view of atheism at that time. You know, again, as when you're growing up as a, you know, uh, Muslim, you do, you know, you know, so many words are used to describe like kafir and all that, right? So I used to think that atheism means that you're basically a believer who believes that there's no God. Basically, that, that's what I thought I understood atheism to be. And I'm like, how can that be like, how, how can I say that there's no God, right? Like, just like I cannot, like at that point, I could not say that there is a God. So like, how, how can I go and flip it and say there's no God, right? I don't have any proof. So I started reading up on, you know, I, uh, you know, re I read Richard Dawkins' uh, book um, um, and then um, uh, read more about atheism and understood atheism. And I was not labeling myself an atheist at that time, but I was kind of like, okay, I'm atheistic in a way in my, you know, thought process. There was an event that really went, that really, in a way, affected me that actually made me an atheist. And this was in 2000. Uh, so I did Umrah in 2016. 2017, uh, there was a famous case um, of a girl. I think she was a Pakistani girl. She was, I think, six or seven, Zainab. And she was um, kidnapped, raped, and murdered uh, by someone who was very much religious because he used to pray not you know which is basically hymns to praise the prophet and um the reason it affected me is because my daughter at that time was around the same age right my oldest one and uh i so how it really affected me is because her parents uh you know both parents went for umrah leaving her with the relatives in Pakistan, right? Now, less than a year earlier, I had done the same thing, you know? Um, I and my ex, you know, we, you know, flew to Pakistan, dropped the kids to the in-laws, my in-laws at that time. And then me and her went on Umrah. So my kids were, you know, two daughters were, uh, you know, in Pakistan. And I thought to myself, this could have been my child. What would I do? What, how would I react? What would I feel uh, that I'm there in the presence of God? You know, at that time, as I said, I don't, didn't believe in Islamic God, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going and doing something uh, that shouldn't be, shouldn't have, uh, should be positive for a God, like, hey, I'm doing something, you know, to, you know, to acknowledge a God, whether it's, you know, that uh, the God that probably exists or not. So I couldn't understand how a God, a God, any God, doesn't matter, would allow that. 
yeah to 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 allow um I mean, I knew that kids get raped. Yeah, terrible things. Let's not use that word. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I okay. So I'll be careful. Yeah. I know that it happens. You yeah. know, uh, what I didn't understand, like when it happened to a very religious Muslim, uh, the the girl's father was very religious. You know, five times uh, a day and all that. And I'm like, you know, if Allah, I knew that Allah was, you know, fake, you know, at that time, but like whoever is the God, uh, why could he not spare, you know, like wh why could he not intervene, right? Why could he not stop it? Like what good is that God, whichever God? It doesn't, I mean, a child to me doesn't have any religion. It doesn't matter. You know, whether the child is born into a Muslim family or a Hindu or a Christian family, a child is a child. And if that God doesn't matter which God it is, cannot do anything about it, then then that God is worthless. That God is as good as a God that does not exist. And that was basically it for me. I knew that I was an atheist, uh, you know, for probably a very long time because I was always questioning the existence of God way before you know i dabbled into islam i was like you know questioning god and because i was into goth music and you know you know alternative rock and some of the lyrics were kind of like blasphemous you know uh so i was always like you know questioning like hey what if there is no god you know i was always you know asking that question yeah the existence of Unnecessary harm does create a problem for TS. And, you know, Yasukati says, theodicy, the problem of evil is one of the biggest problems for theism. It's just, it's a problem that doesn't go away, that can't really go away. I mean, Islam has its own answers to it. Um, you know, but Ehrman, the very famous biblical, ex-biblical scholar, I mean, still biblical scholar, not ex-biblical, you know, he left Christianity because of the problem of evil. Because there's no, there's no solution to it. Like, it's just not possible to explain away the fact that there's unnecessary suffering. Suffering may be necessary to lead to some better outcomes in some cases, but there are also examples of pure suffering with no benefit to anyone, right? And so you're left with a big problem of trying to justify why this had to happen, right? So, you know, this suffering of children is a very difficult one. There's... um. I'll just say a little bit more and then I want you to continue with your story. But there's this butterfly child or the butterfly, this thing that the skin peels off of, you know, there's a genetic disease, right? It just, you just touch the skin and it falls off, right? And scientists now have come up with some treatment, you know, for this genetic problem that you can't imagine the amount of suffering that it has, you have to put, you know, people like us that are parents, we feel extra bad for children because we know what it's like to have children. Like we empathize. Not, I mean, even worse, I mean, not even worse, but probably equally, I'd say the parents suffer equally as bad as the child. You know that, like maybe even worse than the child because you're so powerless and you can't do anything for your child and your child is suffering. And so it's just awful, right? And so I, you know, I, I totally empathize with this, this actually, you know, making, setting the the stage even further for for atheism or, or even but in in a sense if if deism is true that there is some like god that just doesn't care 
that that's still a possibility. But yeah, for the Abrahamic God, it's just out of the question at that point, right? Yeah, and and also my understanding of atheism was, as I mentioned, was wrong. It's like I'm not like saying as a as an atheist. Uh, I think a lot of people get the two word, you know, gnostic versus atheist, you know, very wrong. And I I read not all the books, but many books on on the subject, and and it's pretty clear to me what it means. You know, um, you have you know I look at it this way. I look at agnostic as an adjective like defining you know what you know the word like i could be an agnostic muslim right uh, i could be an agnostic christian i could be it's so the same way i could i'm an agnostic atheist which i don't usually use the full agnostic atheist but that is implied because everybody has to be agnostic like even when you are a muslim there are so many different flavors of muslims you know you're questioning one thing uh, you know, you're, you know, believing in one thing, questioning one thing, right? So, so, so you're always, there has to be agnosticism in, in, in every aspect of belief, you know, because you cannot really believe in everything, you know, out there, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I became an atheist at that time. I knew that, you know, it was, but I realized from my own experience that, that nobody can be convinced that I cannot convince anyone. And also it didn't make any sense to me to, you know, to even talk about it. Cause like, okay, I had this realization at the time as like many people, many ex-Muslims, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who had this realization and I knew how uh, problematic it was. That it was really important that I don't bring it up with especially with my relatives with with you know that I'm I I don't believe in Allah because that's like so bad right like you don't believe in Allah you know you're gonna go burn in hell and all that even though I was told as a as a Quran is that you're, I'm not I better be the right Muslim you know become you know Sunni um, so I knew that this was gonna be like further step down the the hellhole you know of Islam <laughs> so I didn't want to I'm like okay I don't really care I I know that you know god may or may not exist you know definitely doesn't exist in this you know in the, the the god of the abrahamic religions i know knew that for sure um very confidently and so i didn't really care if there is some kind of god out there you know uh if there is then you know and one of the things that i did which i think some i've heard some ex-muslims do is kind of like you know like i'm talking to like allah and like you know not really talking but like you know i was basically like the last step was like basically blaspheming allah like saying if you're there you know come get me if you can i dare you to you know in a way like basically like that's like okay let me just test this theory you know because you know there's always this little fear about you know god you know acting irrationally you know throwing you into a you know um somewhere you know basically like giving you some kind of sign you know so to speak right so that sign never happened you know that no nothing happened obviously and i was not expecting something to happen but like kind of like for my own mind you know i was like okay you know you don't exist you know you just inside a figment of my imagination that's it i mean not just my imagination but like i was taught to imagine uh, allah you know basically um i didn't talk about it and I was like, I'm gonna stay an atheist for the rest of my life, like closeted atheist, right? 
just doesn't really matter. Now I have two children at that time, you know, now I have three. And um, so as my daughter, the oldest one uh, is um, growing older, you know, coming to, you know, closer to the teenage years, as is, as is the case with Muslim parents, you know, uh, they want to teach the children about uh, Islam, right? So this is what happened uh, with me where, so my, as I, as I mentioned, everybody knew that I was a Quranist, you know, including my ex-wife, you know, and everybody else. So my, um, my ex-wife started to get my oldest one into Quran. Like, you know, she needs to read the Quran. She needs to read the Arabic Quran, not the translation. And I was an atheist at that time, closeted atheist. So I'm like, I had a problem with that. I'm like, I don't want her to waste time reading this, you know, this, you know, Arabic she doesn't understand. And I tried to explain to her and she did not understand me because she, she knew me as a Quranist, right? Quranists don't have problem with the Quran, you know. And I'm like showing like, you know, like this, like this repulsion to Quran, the idea of like, you know, Quran. No, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to teach my kids uh, uh, Quran, right? And so I was like, okay, let's hold off until she's, you know, matured, you know, maybe 18 plus, And then she you know, you can teach her, you know, she actually uh, wanted her to be taught by a, by a mullah over Skype from Pakistan. And I was like, not going to happen, not going to happen. So I was very much against that. I obviously shut that idea down because uh, it, it is so toxic. You know, it is so toxic. This whole culture of indoctrinating children is very, it's not just so I knew that it was not going to be just Quran. It's going to be so many other things. How do you dress? Cover your head. You know, all of those things would come with it, right? It's, I knew that the, it was not good. So I told her to, okay, if you want to uh, teach her how to read the Quran, then you go ahead and do it because you know how to do it. You know how to read the Quran. You do it, you know. Uh, unfortunately, yes, you know, what happened is, uh, I had more and more problems with the way she was, you know, teaching my daughters to cover up and all of that. I mean, she didn't wear hijab, but uh, didn't allow my daughters to, like when the oldest one, to wear T-shirts even, you know, in the summer. And obviously she knew that my, my stance uh, against hijab was, you know, throughout my life. I loathed the idea of hijab. And also because, you know, back when I was a Quranist, there was no verse that I could find. There was a, covering your chest was there, but there was no verse that I could find to cover your head, you know. So I know that some say that there is some, I don't know, uh, but I always like, no, there's no such thing. Um, so I was very much against hijab. Um, so I told... Um, I mean, I told my ex that, you know, she, I mean, she was free to do what she wants to wear, right? Um, I didn't have any problem, you know, if she wanted to put hijab on her, she didn't, you know, luckily, <laughs> I would be, um, I don't know, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to judge people, but like, I, I don't like hijab, to be, to be frank. And then, so my daughter, you know, having a dress code of, you know, so to speak, you know, you know, put on by, you know, my ex, uh, was a big problem for me. I was like, okay, uh, 
I need to, uh, at that time, it, this was like 2000. Okay. So I was, you know, one, one little side note was like, I was an atheist, right? And I had discovered all the Xmas, X7A, and, you know, Hari Sultan is active at this time. You know, this is 2019, 2018. Uh, and uh, other people, you know, ex-Muslims are pretty, you know, X7A was probably number one um, that I followed. And I, uh, I was traveling a lot, you know, every week I was out, you know, I was a consultant. And I had this freedom where I'd be like in my hotel room, you know, doing whatever I want to do, like, you know, watch, you know, these YouTubes, you know, about, you know, you know, ex-Muslims and all of those things in my own, you know, I, you know, my ex wouldn't know about it. My ex-wife didn't know about it. So I had this life, you know, which was, you know, my own private life with where I was like, okay, I could be myself. I could explore these different topics, you know, these different things. Um, but, uh, pandemic happened, you know, 2020 and everybody's locked down, locked inside their houses. You know, I was not traveling at all and I was wanting to, you know, you know, watch something on YouTube, you know, for example, you were also, you know, uh, one of the channels I followed obviously. And, um, and and then I'm also seeing this thing, you know, that is uh, affecting my own children, you know, um, uh, from my, not only my ex-wife, but also, you know, her her side of the family had become very religious over time. And they were like pushing her uh, to do certain things uh, because they're girls, they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be ready, you know, for the you know, you know how it goes, you know, for the marriage, marriage, yeah, marriage and also be like, you know, modest and you're living in America, they could be, you know, when they become older, they could go, you know, like they, they could be very rebellious, right? You know what I mean? So and I was very different. I never wanted to raise my children that way, even when I was a Muslim. So I, in 2020, I was like, okay, I have to make a decision, I have to come out out of this closet, you know, I was already, I joined uh, XMNA, I think in August, 2020. Uh, I'd, I'd been following that, them for a really long time. So I was like, I need to come, because this will be revealed eventually that I'm, because I'm becoming more um, uh, active and with the ex, uh, ex-Muslim community, so to speak, right? Uh, I need to, you know, at least tell my, then wife that he who i am right so i slowly gradually you know started you know teasing her about you know the funny stuff that allah does you know like you know like some molly would be saying something and i'd be like look at this you know like this this allah is so clueless you know like i would point to funny things that are even like in quran right and so a few times she ignored me, but like fourth or fifth time, she like literally paused the TV, you know, and she's like, do you mean that you don't even believe in Allah? And she literally asked me that, you know, and this was the, this was that moment where I was like, okay, it's like, you know, you're like, do I escape or do I face my, you know, the, the, <laughs> the reality? And I was like, I made the decision. I told her, I told her, no, I don't believe in uh, Allah. 
I don't think Allah exists. I, I'm not a Muslim. It was very shocking, obviously, for her. But I told her that I have, you know, I told her that I hadn't told anyone except her. I mean, literally, I didn't, nobody knew that I was an ex-Muslim. And, and I also told her it's nobody's business that I'm an ex-Muslim. And the reason I'm telling her is because I wanted her to know. Um, and also I wanted my kids to know. This is very important for me that my kids knew that their dad was, you know, had left a religion, you know, and also be able to talk to, to them uh, when, it, when time comes about religion, you know, uh, if they wanted to talk about it, right? Um, and not live this life uh, uh, being a closeted atheist and then all, you know, everybody looking at me as a Muslim and I was not a Muslim, like living this life uh, wearing a mask, so to speak, right? So I, I told her and I told her that, hey, uh, do not, you know, you know how, how uh, this will be perceived in Pakistan, you know, by all the relatives. So I told her not to tell anyone. And I was not hoping to convince her to leave Islam, but I was trying to convince her to understand why, you know, I think Islam is false, right? So that, for that, I gave her all the different things that I, you know, I'd been researching and looking at like all of the pro problematic verses, you know. Uh, <laughs> one of the funny things, you know, was that Allah comes out at night, you know, you know, listens to the prayers. And I was like, you know, joking, like, you know, like, we like literally there's a 12 hour time difference between uh, where i live in seattle and pakistan so i'm like you know the big question is where's allah you know right now it is daytime but it's the middle of the night in pakistan is he down there is he up here where is he you know like so that was you know one of those funny things where i'm like okay you know it, it makes zero sense uh all of these other things you know and i showed her all those pro problematic verses um she was also you know she was non-practicing and didn't know much about islam and just was a muslim so she went into like this um um kind of like took it upon herself to kind of get me back you know to the right path you know so she ended up you know without me knowing even though i told her don't tell anyone she told because trying to save me from hell, you know, she's like, she got it. She has to do whatever she has to do. She told, you know, I don't know who she told. She told her first, her cousin, um, her sister, you know, and obviously once the somebody knew that, I, you know, somebody's husband is, is, is an ex-Muslim or an, an, not an ex-Muslim, but an atheist, you know, uh, doesn't believe in Allah. You know, that was wildfire, you know, for, you know, like basically, uh, Anyway, so I, I'm not going to go too much into that because it's probably boring for you know, the audience. No, 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 no. It's definitely interesting. I just want to want to stop. We could stop here for a second and just kind of point out that what you were feeling was a very real need that people have, which I see all the time, which I had as well, which was the desire to live an authentic life. And many people struggle with the, you know, like you said, you got to a pivot you know, you had many pivots in your life, and this is one of the big ones. But in that moment, you are now being confronted. Do you not believe in any of this? And you have to make a decision. I also experienced the same pivot with my ex-wife where I was like, should I just like admit it? 
should I just say that I no longer believe or should I be like, yeah, because in the beginning for me, it was like, yeah, I'm doubting this. It, but the reality was the doubt had gone over 50%, right? So like it was more doubt in Islam <laughs> at that point, right? Eventually the things, the scale flips, right? And now it's like you have less of a reason to believe than not believe. But, I, you know, you, you, you also want to be careful in how you convey that to other people that are tied down by religious dogma and able to really hold you back, hold themselves back anyways. So you, you took the authentic one. Well, first of all, it affects your kids, like you said, and you know, you want the best for your kids and you don't want them going through that crap. I've, I've also heard of other people that suffer with similar situations where one parent is religious and the other parent has to just put up with it. Um, and th in this case, now you made the decision to be authentic and obviously to some extent she betrayed you and she spread this information so what was the consequences of that uh, i can't hear you i'm sorry i had muted myself so uh my plan was that i would you know religion was a personal matter and i still believe that religion is a personal matter you know um and that doesn't matter if somebody believes in something, you know, as long as they're not affecting me, as long as they're not shoving it down my throat or my children's throat, right? Uh, I, I don't really care. And that's basically how I wanted to live the rest of my life, where I would be talking about religion if I need to with people who, are, who I'm very close with, right? Uh, and who want to talk to me, like, especially my children, right? And so, like, I wanted to, like, not even my 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 relatives in Pakistan didn't want to mention anything about religion because I it was useless. It was completely my my parents didn't want to mention that I you know I that I left Islam because you know at this age you know you know they wouldn't understand number one and even if they did realize that you know Islam is uh, false, it really uh, it's very hard. It's very hard to to live within a country like Pakistan and you know you can't do anything about it like if if i was if i was an atheist and there are i know many friends who are atheists in pakistan very good friends it's very suffocating it it really and that's what was happening to me it was like i was like i wanted to reach out to the community you know and i i could see the ex-muslims exploding you know even in 2019 you know i was seeing more and more people uh xmna and all of that and I wanted to connect with the other, you know others who were like me, you know, and I couldn't do it until my ex knew, and that was the one, one of the reasons, my motivation, you know, and also to keep my children. Now, she, as you mentioned, she betrayed me by, I think her reasons were not maybe not really betrayal, but trying to get me to the right path, basically. You know what? This is what happens, right? Like, I, <laughs> I still get text messages. From people who know that you know in Pakistan, you know who know that I'm an atheist, with prayers, you know, hopefully Allah will show you the right path. And you know, I, I just ignore them. You know, I, I, I mean, I, they are probably saying it, um, you know, genuinely. They, you know, they, they believe in this. You know, a lot of people believe faith is a very powerful thing, right? And um, so I, I don't really respond. I don't argue. You know, I only uh, so. When she did this, it spread like wildfire. They convinced her that, you know, our nikah was done over. 
she cannot stay with me. That can you, this was happening. Yeah. Can you explain that? What does that mean? Your nikah was done. Okay. So I, this is all happening behind my back. I had no idea. I was at this time. I'm like, okay. I was under the impression that it had been like at that time, it had been like around six to seven months. I'm like, oh, I didn't anticipate that she would take me this, um, this, you know, casually, this atheism and all that. She didn't have much of a uh, negative reaction to it. And, you know, I let her do what she wants to do. And the only, the only thing that I told her, you know, was that I don't want my children to be, uh, to be taught about Islam because there are so many different versions of Islam, right? So, you know, so I just want them to learn about Islam or any religion when they're old, you know, when they want to learn about it. And if they come and ask, you know, yes, I know I, I, I tell them or whoever, you know, would tell, you know, about the religion, but I don't want them to be taught that this is how you're supposed to live. It's how you're supposed to dress and all of that, right? So this was basically what I told her. And that was one of the main reasons why I came out of my closet. Because uh, it was important that I did that, you know. Because if I imagine, I've I have met uh, ex-Muslims who are closeted, still closeted in their senior years. Their their children have become super religious, and they they know that the the dad is not a Muslim, and they hate the dad, and like you know because they don't understand you know his side of his point of view, where he's coming from, and all of that. So I you know and I mean. I didn't have, I didn't know, you know, ex-Muslims at that time because I was not really interacting with anyone. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I, you know, spoke out and came out and didn't live this life, you know. Nobody knows when, you know, anyone's going to die. But whatever, you know, number of days and, you know, months and years I have, I didn't want to, you know, bear this, you know this burqa over me of being a, a muslim you know what i mean so like uh, uh, so um <laughs> that's a that's an amazing I, analogy the burqa right. <laughs> right. it's right. basically what it is it's it's suffocating you right yeah. it's limiting your autonomy now listen you just why don't you just be quiet about islam you don't want to hear about islam just keep it to yourself be, which means be limited by Islam, be limited in what you can do. And that's what they're trying to tell you. Like, just be quiet, right? Yeah. So I was, you know, to cut the story short, because, you know, I had a uh, very um, uh, difficult years after that, you know, because I was, uh, my ex told the, you know, some of my in-laws are, you know, in Canada, in your city, uh, Toronto, and they understood the U.S. system. You know, she was the, so I don't have any relatives in the U.S., which is a good thing. Uh, she didn't have any relatives in the U.S., you know, so we didn't have any relatives anywhere in the U.S. in all 50 states, you know, and uh, the closest in-laws, the closest, you know, so-called relatives were in Toronto. So they, they understood the, the U.S. system. So they told, basically they told her, just literally throw me under the bus because he, he's a coffer. He, you know, you don't really have to care about him. Just put all the charges that you can use the U.S. justice system, um, file domestic violence. And, you know, literally I was accused. And, and this is, I'm a consultant 
traveling across, I had security clearance, you know, I still do. And I was accused to be a drug addict on the on a court, you know, filing by her. Uh, you know, like when I saw that, you know, the the level, the level that people can go to to protect this Allah, you know, or the religion. Uh, I was like, this is so toxic. This is worse than I than I imagined. So obviously, you know, that all of that is over now. So this is 2021, January. I I had a case, you know, false case, you know, against me. And then, you know, later on, divorce case. And I had to present an argument, the real story about why my ex was doing what she's doing, you know. Because she didn't mention religion because, you know, she knew from all of the guidance that she had that do not mention religion in any of the court, you know, because, you know, in America, you know, it doesn't really matter what I believe in. Right. But I need to tell the real story to the to the judge. And the problem I had as a closeted ex-Muslim was that nobody knew that I was an ex-Muslim. I didn't have I didn't. She was the first person who I mentioned that I left religion. So nobody, if I go and tell somebody that, hey, I left religion, it would be after the fact, like now that the, I have, you know, this divorce going on now that, and it could be seen like, hey, I'm making this up now, you know, in a way like, hey, to to, to save me. Luckily for me that I joined XMNA uh, in August 2020. So I reached out to the X XMNA, um, community and you know especially the leadership that i need help i have you know i i joined the you know the community uh before i you know this whole thing happened um what can you do like how can you know so i think i basically um so they um homicide and you know sarah hater you know really i have to i cannot say enough praise uh they were the only ones. Uh, I mean, obviously, they, they were the ones who I reached out to because I didn't have, I didn't know anybody in the ex-Muslim ex, ex community. Um, the, within 24 hours, I had a letter uh, on XMNA uh, letterhead, you know, stating uh, basically um, that I joined the organization, that I was, you know, uh, vetted to be an ex-Muslim, basically proving that, hey, there's this other side of the story which my ex hadn't mentioned. And this is why. And also the letter, uh, you know, you know, gave very detailed, you know, like uh, references to how um, ex-Muslims and atheists are treated in countries like Pakistan, right? Which was very important for a court to see, for a judge to see, because a lot of the judges in the court system here, they don't really realize, you know, how difficult it is to leave religion. Uh, I mean, yes, it's difficult to leave religion in, in even in America, like if you're a hardcore Christian, right? Uh, but it's not as bad as in Pakistan. You literally, you literally get, uh, you know, mob justice, you know, <laughs> in Pakistan, right? So, so that letter really helped, you know, uh, because I had to have somebody who can, uh, you know, tell, you know. Not just me saying, "Hey, I, this is all of this is because you know I left religion." You know, I had a um, our marriage like 
was for like 12 plus years. So it was not like, you know, so this, this thing happening uh, was the only reason it happened is because of the religion. You know, obviously we had differences, but, you know, there was no such thing as like literally going and accusing the other, you know, your spouse of doing X, Y, and Z, which were not true. I was able to prove every single allegation uh, and, you know, throw it in the, the judge threw it out, you know, and, and only the divorce case continued. But I, you know, from 20, January 2021 is when I was literally kicked out of my own house because, you know, this is, I didn't know anything about it um, at that time that you, you know, this is how it works, the law, you know, you, even if you falsely get accused, you will be proven guilty, so to speak, until you prove your innocence, you know, right? And that's what I had to do, um, you know, prove my innocence. And I had plenty of, you know, things to show to the court and um, and ended up, you know, now I'm divorced, you know. Um, my ex had the custody of the children, you know. She prevented, you know, uh, you know, the children from seeing me and the, you know at that time because of all of those allegations against me right the judge wouldn't grant me any visitation because if i'm a drug addict alcoholic you know you know the whole nine yards right dangerous person why would any judge allow children to be seen uh you know you know by me or you know totally. so within uh, like i stayed like i could not talk to my children for two months which was excruciating everybody cited because she didn't tell all the neighbors and people here in the us uh didn't know the full story you know a lot of people just believed she's a woman i'm a man you know from pakistan yeah most likely he's a drug addict you know <laughs> so i mean this is the perception right like people you know People from like they have this, you know, like you know, there, there's also this, you know, um, as X7A talks about it, we talk about it many times. You've talked about it. There's a lot of the anti-Muslim bigotry, right? So I'm treated as a Muslim, obviously. Like within this, this thing, I'm treated as a Muslim. Like I'm a Muslim man. Yeah. Can I can I say something? Yeah. Yeah. This is an assumption that people make about us when they see us, brown guy. You yeah. know, he like I was I was getting my haircut yesterday and uh, late, nice lady is getting me a haircut. She's like, you know, we're talking about some of these things. And she's like, well, did you want your ex-wife to work? I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, but like I always hear about people that, you know, in your culture, she said your culture, they don't let their wives to work. Right. And I'm like my culture, like I'm, I'm actually from Kenya. First of all, I'm pretty liberal and whatever. Right. But but then on top of it, she was like. Yeah, but then even some people born here, <laughs> and then I started laughing. <laughs> it's so true because they bring these values here. And I'm like, yeah, there's some extreme conservatism in the community. And um, what I want to say as well is the thing, the worst thing about this that's happened, also happened to me. So I'm also fellow, fellow divorce dad. Someone was asking, does everyone have an ex-wife here <laughs> in the comments? <laughs> I I think it you know obviously at at our age as well it's also more likely but in in this case there's there's some commonalities there's some situations obviously I can't talk about all of it but the thing that killed me that really bothered me was the first time this happened was when I when I first left Islam I had all these Muslim telling my ex wife at my wife at the time to leave me because I was ex Muslim and the thing that bothered me was like I'm a good dad 
like I take care of them. And she knew this, right? So that didn't cause my marriage to break down at that time. But like the same, like a similar type of situation happened that you went through. I also went through where there were like, luckily it didn't get to the point of domestic violence charges because my kids are older and that you can't do that in that situation when your kids can see what's going on. It just doesn't work because you, you look like a true criminal if you do that in front of big teenage kids. The teenage kids can see what's really going on. But the thing that kills me is these all these people that claim to be the best community on earth, the Ummatan Wasata, the middle nation, the ones that enjoying good and forbid evil, the ones that are supposed to speak the truth even against themselves, just quoting the Quran, right? There's good things in the Quran. All of this stuff goes out of the window and you get instead tribalism, us versus them. These stupid fools are taking away the father of the kids that need a father that would be much better off with an atheist dad than even an abusive Muslim dad. They'd be better off with an atheist dad that's a good dad, that takes care of them, that spends time with them, that spends money on them, that's there for... Like, it's just, it's insane. And you know, and I'm pretty sure in your case too, your ex knew you're a good dad. She knows that for a fact. Yet they're playing these nasty games. Some of it is because of Islam. Some of it is just to, it's a power trip, right? And it's trying to use a system against you. But the good thing is, <laughs> the good thing is that ultimately, it doesn't always end up this way. But ultimately, if you're a good person, if you're a good father, if you're like, a good dad, all of these things work in your favor in the long run. The problem is when the pig drags you through the mud, you spend a lot of money and time and energy and you miss out on, on time with your kids and you, you have to go through the system. The system doesn't know. In the beginning, the system will just assume that. And even in my case, my, my lawyer also told me that there's, there's an image issue here. In my case, my ex-wife was white. So there's an image issue of a white woman with a brown guy. Of course, people are going to assume certain things. So I'm already guilty just from the... But the good thing is, in my case at least, the, the system was pretty decent. And eventually, you know, I don't want to say justice was served, but like, you know, it, it ended up positively, right? Like I still see my kids and everything. And in your case, you you have your kids as well. So yeah, so please continue. So I, you know, obviously I went through this hell and... Uh which uh, basically got me out of my closet. You know, I was like, I didn't want to talk about Islam. Today, this this thing wouldn't be happening, this uh, live. Had some Muslims, number one, didn't tell me that the Quran was, you know, was had the same problem, you know, and others, you know, falsely accusing me to, to pretend that, uh, you know, just to, just to give it back to me, you know, as a punishment. Anyway, so I obviously... I knew that the, at the end of the day, um, I will win uh, because I, although the U.S. justice system is um, slow and a lot of problems, you know, which I find out, found out, uh, I knew that ultimately, in the, you, know, you know, if you follow the law, I never did anything to break the law. I've lived in this country since late 90s. Not once had I any problem with law. So I knew that, you know, I had my track record of living in this country and this, all these accusations against me, you know. So she didn't file for yeah. like, sorry, she didn't file for like uh, domestic violence. 
because she can prove them. I never, you know, hit her, never. In fact, uh, one of the things that I had problems with my ex was, you know, early on with my children, um, she wanted to discipline them uh, by hitting. Uh, and I told, I was very much against it. And I told her, this is, you know, I, I don't like, you know, that my children, I mean, there are many other ways to discipline. So I was very much uh, against hitting anybody, you know, whether they're your children or, you know, your spouse, you know, there's no chance. And so she, she, she didn't, uh, luckily she didn't put it there that I hit her or anything, which I never did, but she did put a lot of other things like mental abuse and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and again, as I said, you know, uh, drug addict, you know, I don't know why, but like, I think there were like check boxes and you know, it's a standard form that the county provides like, okay, is your spouse a drug addict? Check. Is your spouse an alcoholic? Check. So basically what they did was just basically checking the boxes, you know, like uh, whichever box they could fit. They even, I never owned a gun in my life. Okay. Um, I have lived in the U.S. I've never owned a gun, never, never had a license, never had the, like the need to go, you know, buy a gun or get a license. I was, you know, so in the, in the document, it was, it was put there that I had, I had firearms. I may possess firearms. So when, so I'm sitting in my, so my ex went to the neighbors with the kids one morning, uh, you know, Sunday morning, I wake up, find that my, I don't see my, uh, you know, then wife and my children, you know, I had three children. I mean, I have three children now and I don't, don't see them. So I'm like basically searching the house. I was upstairs and I went, came downstairs looking for them. And then I called her and she's like, oh, I'm at the neighbor, you know, next door. And then the kids are playing with the, the neighbor's kids, which is rare. Like it never happened. She never took the kids to the non-Muslim, you know, uh, she was very much like Muslim, non-Muslim, you know. Uh, and this was like kind of late. So I was like, that that's pretty sus. And even though I was very, I was like, never doubted that she would do this to me. Like, you know, 12 plus years of marriage, right? I mean, like, no, she was not going to throw this under the bus over me leaving religion. A long story short, I was, uh, I found out that that was basically because, you know, I was left Islam and everybody in, in her side of the family, they didn't bring it up to me but i knew that that's what's going on um three like a couple of weeks went by two and a half weeks i was living in my house by myself no contact with my children and i was filling out you know the forms for a divorce because at that time like you know i got a file for divorce because I, I didn't see any anything that could you know change you know because it was like it, it was not gonna work out doesn't matter um so i was filling out the form and i ha had a knock on my uh door there were two police officers and they told me the one who was you know a little further he had his hand on the gun at that time i didn't know that th there was these domestic you know abuse charges you know filed against me he basically told me you have 10 minutes, literally 10 minutes. I'm like, literally, I'm in my shorts, you know, in my house, you know, you have 10 minutes to grab two pieces of, you know, luggage or whatever you want to grab 10 minutes. You got to leave the house. 
I was, I didn't know that this was possible. I did not know that you could be thrown out of your house, your own house that you pay mortgage, you know, and everything over false accusations by your own spouse. I didn't know that. I was so not prepared, you know, and I said, okay, let me go grab. So you, the, the police officers, because because he she put it there that I, I had possible firearms, right? Um, so they came prepared to pretty much do whatever they want. If I had taken one, I, if I had one misstep during that interaction, I'd probably be dead in my own house. Because, you know, you see all this thing that happens in the U.S. where somebody gets mistaken for doing something and they get shot down you know and they're dead you know uh i was shaken obviously i was, didn't anticipate that so the, the police officer walked with me throughout the house while i'm collecting the two not just one two police officers one one of them always had his hand on the gun and i could lit i could sense that he had, like he's ready to go like if i step somewhere where i'm not supposed to step in my own house he might shoot me. And I was, I was, you know, so what I did is number one, I grabbed the passports, my passport, my children's passport, because at that time I knew what was going on. You know, I, you know, understood that this had to do with Islam. I knew that uh, there was genuine reasons for my, my ex to, to kidnap my kids away from me, which I mean, she she hadn't allowed them to talk to me for two plus weeks. So she would just come and, you know, grab the passports and, you know, go and in Pakistan, I could not do anything. There's no legal recourse that I would have as an atheist. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed the passports, number one, and I, you know, it, the, the passport were in, in a safe, you know, uh, safe safety box or what do you call it? And so I grabbed that, I grabbed just a bunch of clothes and I just drove out because I was also, you know, it was in the document that I had only one car, one SUV, you know, we, you know, because I was traveling most of the time. So we had only one car uh, in the paper. She demanded the car, but somehow the police neglected and then let me drive. Otherwise, I'd be standing with two suitcases right outside my street with all of the neighbors looking at like what the heck is going on, you know, right. And imagine all the judgments that people pass right you know two police coming you know with you know full force you know um it was pretty embarrassing you know and luckily i was allowed to leave with the car and then later on they realized that I, they were supposed to not let me leave with a car uh, with my suv but you know let me just walk and call you know maybe uber or something you know i go and this is my situation. Nobody knows that I'm an ex-Muslim. Nobody knows what the real story is. You know, not even my own parent, my mother didn't know about it. <laughs> Nobody knew about it. So I'm like, what do I do now? Like I was already had a law uh, attorney, you know, divorce attorney. So yeah. I called him. And he just told, he just, he, he was like, see, I was telling you, we need to rush, fill out that form you know, before she does. And now it's, you know, like that's the situation. I'm like, yeah, you know, anyway. Uh, so I go. So before go you to, continue, if I just yeah. want to stop, step in and say a few things. Um, isn't it interesting that a lot of these people hate kafirs or maybe, maybe hate is a bad word, right? They're like, 
it's us versus them, yet they'll use the system. The, yes. the capitalist system that they, yes. you know, they hate you. Okay, they they definitely hate you. Maybe they don't hate all Catholics, but you especially they hate. Yeah. But even the system, the American system, they're not obviously, you know, outwardly they'll say, oh, we, we hate America, we hate this, we hate that. But then they'll use the system against you as much as possible. They'll basically scamming the system, right? That's what they do. They're using it to, to the advantage. And I want to say one more thing, which is that, you know, we both know Stephanie, right? And we know that this it could this like you just hinted that you know the kidnapping and the situations we both know about people that is more than just Stephanie. I mean, we know multiple people that lost the kids completely, the kidnapped, sent to a Muslim country. If you were in a Muslim country right now in Pakistan, and she okay, I've heard also examples of this, but maybe you can just tell me like what would have happened if she did this while you were in Pakistan and living in Pakistan? Not American. Let's say you were an American, you were Pakistani, you lived there fully. She leaked this information that you were atheist. What would happen to your kids and to you? Let me also, since you mentioned Stephanie, I know yep. Stephanie met her. And when I joined XMNA, uh, I, you know, Stephanie was uh, managing, you know, a lot of the, you know, XMNA stuff. And I watched her video on, uh, you know, how she lost her children, right? So her story also made me be a little more vigilant about like grabbing the passports if i hadn't and i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought about it uh if i hadn't watched her you know a story about her losing the children and i've you know uh, i'm glad that i did because yeah what would happen is she would take the kids to the to pakistan and unfortunately it's this is so 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 uh frustrating uh and again goes back to the US court system, because one of the things that I specifically wanted in the final divorce is that um, none, I mean, obviously I didn't have to, I could not say that only my ex is not allowed to uh, travel outside of uh, uh, the US with the kids, uh, like take the kids outside of the US. Uh, so the language is like, neither parent is allowed to, you know, take the kids outside the US. And it was so hard to, to try to explain to my attorney, my own attorney, to explain to the judge that it doesn't matter if Pakistan is part of, you know, they, they say the Geneva, Geneva Convention or some, some convention. If I don't know which, which it is, like they look it up and they're like, oh, Pakistan, no, no problems. We cannot put it, we cannot put the wording. We can only put that countries that are, you know, there's an agreement with, between countries, you know, some some child uh, kidnapping laws, right? And Pakistan is part of that. And they, if I had a hard time convincing the judge, like, you know, through my attorney that we need to explicitly include, uh, like, I either want Pakistan to be in that in that you know document that cannot take her the kids to pakistan or like not leave the us that's it that'll solve the problem right so yeah what would happen yep. is that i would have no recourse uh, if she had taken the kids you know i would probably not be able to see my kids ever again because if i travel to pakistan um just one word out that i'm an atheist and a blasphemer like if you're an atheist you're automatically a blasphemer right i mean you're rejecting you're rejecting, you know, Islam. 
that is in a way blasph blasphemy, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that was that was you know that was the thing, you know. Yeah. So you know, as bad as the situation was, ultimately there was a happy ending to it, right? Right. So after one and a half years, you know, like started in January and then ended in January of 2021, ended in June of 2022, I finally got full custody of the kids, got my house back. I was, you know, all through this time I was living uh, in an apartment by myself. I was allowed to see my kids only once in two weeks, you know, only for the weekends, you know, uh, finally, uh, I was able to prove to the court that, you know, I'm a better parent. I mean, obviously there, there was no, she, uh, she, I mean, I don't want to go into the details, but you know, the Islam can drive you crazy. Um, and again, one of the solutions that so-called solutions is that leaving everything to Allah will solve all the problems. So what happened was things were not going right. And it was Ramadan to 2022. Um, you know how Ramadan affects Muslims, you know, it's the holiest of the month, right? So what happened is uh, my ex stopped sending the kids to school. It was April, no school, no notice to the school at all. Like uh, she had the full custody and I had, you know, I was just visiting, seeing the kids over weekends, you know. So my, the school district starts calling me as a like the second parent, so to speak, right? Or the <laughs> other parent, you know? And like you, where, your, your kids are not coming to school. It's been two weeks. The teacher emailed me, one of my um, children's like, you know, I haven't seen your daughter. I hope everything is okay, you know? And I knew this, you know, was like I kind of knew, but I didn't anticipate that, you know, she would just stop sending the kids to school. Um, Around the same time, you know, uh, on my Facebook, you know, I'm part of the, you know, the the neighborhood, you know, Facebook group. I was alerted by one of the neighbors, you know, she pinged me saying, hey, looks like your this post, you know, is about your your wife. At that time, she was from my wife, you know, and then a lot, a lot of the people didn't know that we were going through a divorce. Right. And uh, it was basically she started playing loud Quran 24-7. Volume level 100 percent So those same neighbors who were siding with her, thinking that you know this woman has been um who knows what happened to her, you know, what her husband is doing, you know. Uh they realized <laughs> they realized what they, you know, that they were wrong. You know, they all, you know, basically contacted me saying, you know that you know like basically telling me that this is what's going on they didn't realize that i was separated from her not living with her and um i had no control over what she's doing uh what happened is um there were a lot of complaints to hoa and all of the things and i knew that something was going on she had cut off all you know contact with her own family you know at that time i don't know why but uh, so i was basically fearing uh for the safety of my children because i was allowed to see them every two weeks uh, every two weeks on weekends she did not let me see the kids like after that ramadan started 2022 something flipped 
and I was not allowed to see the kids. I had no contact with the, my kids. So at that time, I filed uh, another petition with the court, you know, and as you mentioned, it's costly. I <laughs> I posted on my Facebook how much it cost me, this whole ordeal, uh, which should not have happened. Like, it was not my fault, you know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do anything to, to anyway, but that's a besides the point. So I petitioned the court saying, hey, my kids are not going to school. You know, they're, I don't even know if they're, what kind of situation is in the house because they're basically, basically she had them locked inside. They were not going anywhere. No friends. They, she had also already not allowed them to make any non-Muslim friends, you know, because for the fear that they, those non-Muslim friends would have influence over my kids, you know, get them the coffee ways, you know, because I yeah, you, you, know, you can't have non-Muslim friends, but let's call the police and use this. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly what I was talking about. This yeah. this is proof of what I was saying. Use the U.S. system to your advantage. Use use the all of the, the, the features that it provides. Use America, you know, the shield that it provides to you where your own own uh, religion provides you zero. I mean, I could have literally said three words, you know. And I told, I told, you know, this, that I could have just said three words and be done with it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put it this way, but like, that's what Islam is and would not have given anything, you know, other than mahar, you know, mahar is usually nothing, you know? So, but they use the U.S. system to, you know, when it works for them. I mean, I'm not trying to blame all the Muslims, you know, you know, I'm not, we don't want to, you know, say Muslims do that. I'm just talking about the specific, you know, the situation where you want to use uh, the coffer system when it works for you, but then bash that coffer system when it doesn't work. Like, what kind of hypocrisy is that? Anyway, I won the custody, obviously, you know, because it was not, you know, after one and a half years when kids didn't go to school, uh, my kids were, you know, in special um, the program, which is advanced program, like one grade ahead of. So my oldest one was really good with math. My middle one was really good with reading. So she was already ahead, like two grades ahead. Because of missing school, uh, they their grades literally went down and they had to go back to the actual grade that they were assigned for the next year, but everything is going superb now. So with that, the court still gives leniency, like the benefit of doubt, so to speak. So they allowed her to to come to the court courthouse and, you know, present her case, which she never did. And eventually what ended up happening is she got kicked out of the house. Um, I mean, obviously, first I got the kids custody. And then when I got custody of the kids, I was I petitioned to the court, like, I'm living in a two-bedroom apartment, you know, with three children, you know, I need the house. So, you know, it was pretty much a slam dunk, you know, you know, case, you know, so, so I don't know. That's that basically, that was the end of my ordeal, <laughs> so to speak. And since then, I've been speaking out and I, and I wanted to come to your show and others, but because of the spending divorce and, the, you know, who knows what. Uh, the legality of all different things. I was like, I was not sure how much I can talk about it. But I, when I, whenever I came, I wanted to talk about it. I didn't want to like, you know, say I can't discuss this. So now that I can talk about it openly, 
and you know i decided you know hey this is the best time you know this is the right time i have uh, i've had my kids for more than a year now you know june 2022 was when i won full custody uh, and they're doing great you know you know so i'm 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 really happy i'm very you know happy with my life and even though it was difficult i think in retrospect i should have taken the step to come out of the come out of my closet earlier honestly and that's one of the things that i think you know i shouldn't have done i shouldn't shouldn't have kept it to myself so i i i say all those people just to all those people who can i am definitely not talking about people in pakistan uh, or in countries where it is really not it is really difficult to speak out uh, do not i i say if i if i was living i've told this many times if i was living in pakistan i wouldn't be talking about it because again your life your your family your kids you know they come first always so your safety should be number one um and but if you can talk about it i think we should talk about it and there shouldn't be anybody telling us not to and if the more people tell me that i should shut up it actually makes me want to talk more about it you know so so yeah yeah totally and um you know i can see the motivation where it's coming from obviously it's important and the more people that come out you know as there was a comment earlier the more of us are able to come out, the better it is for everyone else. I, let me see if I can find that comment. Okay, I lost the comment. But um, the, some other comments that were interesting that are worth talking about, then we can end. I saw a clip where Mufti Menk said that over 50% of young Muslims in the UK no longer attend prayers, especially Eid prayers. The youth seem to be liberalizing over time. So we are seeing this movement towards, you know, more and more people leaving Islam. It's actually a really good thing, right? It's also another good comment that you don't need like a whole degree in order to debunk this stuff, right? Excuse me. All you need to do is think without confirmation bias and rationally investigate, right? It's true because you don't, even if you had, say, for example, there was a, a book on physics, right? And there's this whole big book, but there's like one obvious mistake in it. That obvious mistake, you don't have to be necessarily a professor to know that, right? you can always see that that particular case is wrong. And unfortunately, with a religion that's from God, or fortunately, it's not even the case of, like human beings will make mistakes, that's understandable. But with God, he can't make mistakes. So even one mistake is enough to say, to throw into doubt the whole thing. Either it's not from God, Muhammad inserted it versus the companions didn't memorize it properly. It wasn't written down properly. The scholars tampered with it. There's a whole line of things that could have gone wrong between when the religion was revealed and where it is now, right? True. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's all about, um, yeah, just, just like uh, not Delulu mentioned, you know, I, I get <laughs> when I was uh, when I was a Quranist, I often got this like, you're not a scholar. You, you haven't studied all the all of the hadiths, you know, all of the. the they call it exegesis of uh, what a, yeah. so there's a word that they use like Tafsir? yeah no there's like they say they say science of hadith you know there's a science yeah. behind hadith and all of that you have to study that and to understand um i'm like okay you know like i've just i usually would shrug because i knew that there was growing up in pakistan religion is always part of 
you know, like people around you and a lot of different people will give you different things, you know, and I'd, I'd grown to kind of like, like shield myself from that. Like I, I don't listen like in the way, like if somebody's telling me you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z because Islam says that I would not, usually I don't argue, you know, I didn't used to argue. Uh, I would be like, okay, you know, and then basically just not ignore it at that point so that, you know, I knew that it doesn't really go anywhere because you can't really, um, but I think it's important now, uh, but, you know, that we talk about it because it has become, I mean, few people realize how toxic it is. And, and a lot of people don't, even non-Muslims, you know, even uh, people who are not Muslim, and especially they would be like, you know, okay, you know, why do you want to talk about the, your previous religion? You know, I've heard that not just from Muslims, of, of course, they say that. But even from um, Christians, you know, Christian um, um, acquaintances, you know, and like, you know, and and I I tell them that um, I will stop. I will stop until, uh, when I don't hear um, preachers. I don't hear people preaching, you know, if they if they want to stop me or others not talk about leaving religion then they should stop talking about people getting into the religion or like, you know, you know, you know, or whatever, you know, the Christian there's in America, you know, like Christian fanaticism is also a big problem, you know? So I, I see that side too, like, you know, Jesus is everywhere, literally. Yeah. Um, and luckily um, I'm not, so uh, as a father, I don't tell my children, what to think and i think this is a very popular saying now i teach them what to think and what i i don't discuss you know religion per se but they all they obviously know that i'm an ex-muslim and, and you know that i'm an atheist they, they know that my older kids understand that my youngest one you know is too little to to know you know but i want to raise them with a questioning mind you know i want to raise them to question everything and it's funny that you know when I one day I was telling my kids you know to question everything and then backfired because they were questioning but I was telling them to go to sleep you know it's time for bed they were like okay but why daddy why why do we need to sleep you know like I had to go uh, you know answer you know anyway so like it's 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 important for parents you know and I, I know that a lot of ex-Muslims are single and that's one of the things I was trying to find other people who who were also parents, you know, also had similar, you know, I've found, you know, many fathers and mothers who went through this, you know, this ordeal because of, you know, their apostasy. Um, yeah. Um, apostasy, the word, by the way, I was going through, you know, like a lot of uh, uh, agony, like literally a mental breakdown so to speak you know in the early stages right so i had to tell my company uh, that i you know need to take a take a break you know from because this is the early on when i was like thrown out of the house and so uh, my company you know it was a big multinational company that provided also uh therapy services you know like free you know to the employees so some a lot of people suggested you know i go through therapy you know so I was talking to the therapist, you know, and I was telling, you know, it's, it was a 
video call and chat based system, you know, and I was telling her apostasy, apostasy, and you know, she, she was a PhD, you know, unfortunately, she didn't know what the word apostasy means. <laughs> it's like so unheard of in the US, right? Yeah, and, and archaic, like, right? Yeah, like yeah. So she's like, can you please type what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so I typed, and then she's like, oh, like it's, it was the reaction was like, really? Like that's that that's the reason. And like I, you know, anyway. So the it's important to talk about it. It's important in, in especially in the context of um, Islam that we talk about it. We need to get Islam. You know, we need to cut the teeth of Islam and get it down to its size that where it needs to be, you know. Yeah. And other religions have, you know, you know, especially with Christianity, you know, uh, they can openly talk about it. We need to literally do the same thing and it's happening. And the more people come out and speak out, of, you know, and we're not making stuff. We're just all we're doing I and mean, all that I've done is just point to what the the scholars are saying how dare you you islamophobe quoting from the quran <laughs> and quoting from the hadith like right. in <laughs> fact i've defended you know like anti-muslim bigotry bigotry is, is a thing yeah like i i had like nobody when i go out you know if somebody sees my name they assume that that i'm muslim i'll tell you a very funny story right i had a colleague who wished me and i shared this on uh, facebook too who wished me in April a happy new year, you know, uh, she was a new colleague in the company and, you know, like happy new year, like at the end of the call, she said, Hey, happy new year. Uh, and, and then the call ended and I was like trying to process in April, who the heck wishes happy new year? Why the heck would you tell me specifically happy new year? It turns out it was, uh, <laughs> it was the Islamic new year. Um, it was, uh, Muharram, yeah, you know, and so the problem is like nobody knows in, in in the U.S. You don't fill out religion, yeah, anywhere on any form, right? But you get assumed to be a Muslim, right? Yeah, and same thing. Like you get stereotyped, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, uh, you put into the same bucket, just like you were mentioning. You know, we're all Muslims, right? We get thrown into the same bucket, right? Whether it's a good treatment or a bad treatment, right? It's it's we're gonna get the yeah. same treatment. That so, my goal is not to 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 cause any pain to Muslims. You know, I have my relatives who are on my parents are still Muslim. You know, a lot of my friends are Muslims. I definitely don't want to you know cause them pain, but I do want to. I do not want my right to speak about Islam to be taken away. I mean, I live in a free country and I want to exercise this, right? Uh, and I think everybody who has this right, everybody should have this right, especially those who have the right, who live in a, in a free society, need to talk about it. Yeah, uh, It's important. And especially for those who are living in societies where this is uh, not allowed. So we, I also speak, when I talk about Islam, I also, speak sort of on behalf of others who cannot speak you know and many times you know during my i don't want to call it activism but like however many times i've been on social media i have got many friends and you know they they tell me that they cannot even like my post 
but they appreciate that me that I say this because even if they like my post, you know, others may see and judge because they live in Pakistan, you know. Um, so so it's important that we at least speak out, you know, who those who those of us who live in the vast or in the free, free society. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say the funniest thing happened, the most awkward situation is when they assume you're Muslim, they're like Oh, should we order the halal food for you? We have halal food here. And you're like, oh my God, get me the bacon and pepperoni sandwich and the freaking pint or something. Right? You're like, <laughs> and they're like assuming you want like this. That's it doesn't hasn't happened to me in a long time. But sometimes uh, you know, they try to be nice, but like it just makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Uh, I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something really funny, but I think uh, Toronto area especially has a lot of Muslims and um somebody um came to visit me from toronto and you know there's this i think is it popoy or some mm -hmm. restaurant yeah oh boy yeah, yeah 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 we have that yeah so what happens is they in in toronto area i've been to toronto a few times uh, they're all halal every single one you go and you just you just assumed halal it's halal they they probably have so they came to visit me and they were like okay you know let's go and they saw popeye like oh we're gonna eat here we're gonna eat here chicken it's really good you know and i knew that they were like you know and and at that time my ex you know i was you know still married and, and i knew that she had a problem with halal like not eating halal. i had i never had any such problem with like halal non halal i always uh, just you know i still did not eat pork or you know a bacon as a Muslim, you know when i was still a quranist for you know for odd reasons because the quran forbid it you know go figure it out now like why i i can't really uh justify it now but like so they ate and they and i was like okay they're eating and at that time i was like pretty much not a muslim I didn't i was like okay why are they eating this like i didn't couldn't understand why the hell are they they don't eat anything you know that's uh, not, yeah they, they're eating this popeye later on i realized that all of the popeye restaurants or, or i don't know how popeyes, they, popeyes yeah popeyes right yeah all halal. oh assume, coming from china they assume that this is halal. i mean popeyes halal you know and then after they were done eating and like savoring the I was like okay by the way <laughs> you told in the US this chain is run by Louisiana there's a company called Louisiana something chicken not halal by the way not halal but tasted the same I bet you know <laughs> <laughs> why did you oh, ruin God. it for them you should have let them eat it in happiness <laughs> No, I did let them eat. I let them finish. Yeah. Like, you know, and then told, yeah, because I was like, seriously, like, you know, okay, go, go have at it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. So I, I do have a question I need to ask you, um, which is about Quranism. Question for Talik, is Quranism the way for Islam to survive or to wither away? And this, this is reminiscence from Turkey. So I think uh, I've met a lot of uh, people who eventually leave Islam uh, after becoming Quranist. So I think I look at Quranism or, you know, as a stepping stone, so to speak, toward, yeah, exactly. Hassan Radwan said, you know, perfectly. It's kind of like you are, so you're in a position where you're trying to like, okay, I am born into this 
I call it cult now, you know, but I, you know, I didn't used to call it cult, but it's a cult. I am born into this cult. Now I need to justify the leadership of this cult or the, all of the different things. Now, how do I do? And you say you're basically, you, what you do is um, you find all these problems, you know, because there's problems, plethora of problems in Islam. Uh, you find the bulk of the problems are found in hadiths, right? Hadith books. What do you do then? You know, the, the easy route is like, hey, you know, because Quran is so vague, uh, it's not, I mean, it's like going all over the place and one word's talking about, you know, this, other words talking about something else. So it's like really not, you know, it doesn't make any sense to a lot of people. Uh, they basically say, okay, you know, I want to, I'm a Muslim and I'm going to be, I don't, I don't agree with all these things because all of these things come from hadiths, right? And they keep, they get to like, you know, um, still call themselves Muslims, but, you know, not, uh, not be aligned with all of these other, the, the baggage that comes with being a Muslim, like, you know, a lot, even though in Quran, you know, there's still a lot of baggage, like slavery and, you know, um, um, sex in you with you know slave uh, women and all of those things, right? Women rights, uh, you know the division of property. You know one of the things that I had really hard time as a Quranist was this this thing about division of property. You know, like when I was like uh, I, I had daughters and I was like, okay, uh, like I was just reading, you know, like you know what it says and all that, and I was like, why the hell? And luckily, I mean, I don't know if I should say luckily, but I, you know, I had only two, I had daughters and not sons, but I was like thinking if I had a son, then it would be so unjust to divide, you know, let's say if I, you know, leave something behind, it would be so unjust that I would leave less for my daughter and more for my son, just because, you know, he happens to, to be a, you know, a male, right? So that's, that, that was, you know, all of these things are there. The, I think it's a stepping stone. Yeah, totally. So we'll end it off on that. Um, any last words you want to give? Before no, I, I think uh, I, you know, I'm really good. I've been looking forward to this and I'm glad that we were able to do it. So, so really, you know, um, and uh, would love to come again uh, someday, you know, so whenever, you know, whenever you want to discuss something else, I don't want to bore with my story, even if, if we do it again, you know, we, probably talk about some other stuff <laughs> yeah yeah totally no it was actually a really interesting story and it it's it's a good example to highlight how the reality is for ex-muslims some of the challenges we have why we need to talk about islam why you had to come out or how you were forced into coming out the impact on your children there's so many learning lessons in in an in a story like this um the 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 way of getting out of indoctrination, the reality of Umrah. Like there's so many gems from this like one story that like it's now been two hours and 40 minutes and we're still talking, right? And it's like, you know, I, I had a feeling it would go to two hours, but like it just went, time went by so fast. Yeah. And um, from that perspective, I do think that, you know, these these stories are helpful because also some people, like you said, you know, Let's call them white people. <laughs> the 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 general population doesn't understand that because they're living in you know more or less a more rational 
you know, to some extent, a more enlightened society where you leave a religion and you leave a religion. It's like no big deal. There's no, nobody knows what, like, like you said, the funniest thing, like what's apostasy? It's like fornication. Oh yeah, he did fornication. What's fornication? Nobody even knows what that word is. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? exactly. So it, yeah. it's been useful. It's been a very, not useful. It's been very enlightening, yeah. you know, educational talk, I think. And, um, there's still so many comments that I started that I wanted to talk about. We're not going to get time now. So definitely next time we can talk about, um, you know, more topical topics, right? Sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was a pleasure to, to be on, you know, here and to, to share. I've been, I, a lot of my friends know about my story. A lot of my XMNA friends know. But I think I, this is the first time I, I'm telling uh, publicly, you know, like at a platform like this. So, yeah, it's, and it's important that, uh, that we talk about it. So, yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining John and Dee and uh, everyone else as well for, you know, commenting the comments and the discussion gets this show to more view to more people so thank you for being active in the chat it's it's also fun you know chatting while these things are going on appreciate it all the super chats as well from everyone if you're not subscribed i don't know why you're not subscribed please subscribe now this is a new channel it's been it's no longer new but it's it's still my new channel uh as Tarek was saying every time he looks up abdullah Samir, he gets the old channel it's like no don't go to that channel i'm not using that one anymore friendly ex-muslim is a new channel yeah do more live streams i will i will be happy to get back into i'm honored that this was you know, uh, Tarek got me back into doing live streams. So for sure, we'll try my best to keep up this. Abdullah Gondal and I are like, you know, every single time we tried to do this, we just couldn't get this happening. But um, inshallah, we will have some more coming soon. All right, everyone, thanks for everything. And Tarek, for being, you, you were a wonderful guest. And uh, we'll definitely see you again. Thank okay. you, everyone. Thank you, Abdullah.